Good morning, afternoon, or evening, ladies and gentlemen, because we have no idea what time you decided to tune in and listen to us because we're not doing this segment live yet. My name is Liz Ames. I'm not Al Sterling, again, because he keeps running away and leaving me in charge of the show, which is a really bad idea. In the studio today with producer Dan. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Uh, today, we are joined by guest Forrest. Hey, what's up? Thank you for being here. And I brought another derby girl. Uh, this is Morgan, a.k.a. Shred Bundy. Hello. And we're going to be talking about some nerdy derby stuff later, which is pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, we got, uh, we got some This Week in Geek for you. We got, uh, Defenders. We're talking about the Defenders today because I'm sure that everyone has already binge watched the entire series. Well, okay. So we're going to talk Defenders. We're going to talk about the five series leading up to Defenders with tons five? of spoilers. Four. Five. Four? Daredevil season two. That's two. Series. That's a season. Five seasons of four series. Sorry, did I go British on you? <sighs> yes. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the five things that happened first. Uh, we'll talk about those a little bit uh, with some spoilers, and then we're going to spoil a little bit of episode one, but that will not spoil the series for you if you haven't gotten to it yet. And if you haven't watched everything else leading up to it, like me, um, tough. Yeah. Because we're ruining everything. Uh, let's then you can skip to B-roll. We're yeah. going to talk about some derby stuff. Yeah, skip to B-roll and yeah. talk about derby stuff with us because that's all I've ever wanted in my entire life was to mix nerd and derby. But first... But first, let's go and do some This Week in Geek. Yeah. Uh, what do we got first, Dan? So we've got uh, some copyright infringement stuff. This was actually um, posted to us by Chad. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you for dropping the article on us, Chad. Um, and it's a really interesting read. I've got some bullet points here. Uh, essentially, what this is covering is copyright law on fan art. Uh, specifically, when you see a lot of fan art being sold at cons and kind of where do we draw the line? Right. We've talked a little bit about this in the past with YouTube and and the, the images that we use in our slideshow and that sort of <laughs> <Yeah>. thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, thanks, uh, Brad, for keeping us on the safe side of that. <laughs> right. Stuff. We do have a lawyer, everyone. We do have a lawyer on our side. So And Bleeding Cool uh, interviewed a lawyer to talk about it. Yeah. So basically what they, uh, what they came up with is that uh, 70 to 80% of vendors at cons are selling uh, things that infringe on intellectual property, what we will call IP. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've got artists and vendors. They're selling items that clearly infringe the copyrights of others. Uh, we have artists and vendors. They do not understand how IP rights work and more troubling often don't understand the risk they've taken on by selling potentially infringing items at a convention. Mm-hmm. Uh, artists often rely on selling such work to make ends meet. Uh, convention organizations with few exceptions turn a blind eye to their vendor sale of infringing material. IP rights holders aren't enforcing their rights or perhaps not even paying attention to the issue. Uh, consumers, that is to say con goers, either don't understand that what they're doing is supporting theft or they don't care, much like all of us that download music or shows or mm-hmm. movies or all those other things that they tell us is bad. And I mean, just uh, recently I was at Megacon and, you know, they've got the artist alley where they've got all the people from DC and Marvel and all the other comic book brands and they're out there uh trying to sell original sketches and giving autographs and that sort of stuff. And then like 50 feet away, you've got Joe Schmo who draws really well and decided to draw their favorite superhero comic people and, and sell them. Yeah. And, uh, so, and there's also another statement in this article where there is a clause that kind of protects the conventions in general, mm-hmm. uh, from, from, 
any kind of legal action against them. So it basically states uh, vendor slash artist certifies that one, it is and shall remain in compliance with all state and local laws, regulations, statutes, and rules. Two, it has the legal right to sell and offer for sale the products it sells at the convention. And three, it shall indemnify defend and hold harmless the convention and any of its officers directors employees and agents from claims in any way related to vendor artist violation of any term of this agreement so basically that's the convention saying not our fault yeah um they did it so yeah i don't know i don't know what the uh where, like where did where did you go you go to conventions yeah yes. yeah i do so what it like where do you weigh in on this what do you see well, I mean, there's some stuff that you can tell is like a clear copyright violation when it's like they have literally taken a page of something or copied something directly. And there's some stuff that's just like trademark violation because they're using a character yeah. that's trademarked. But then there's also stuff that kind of walks the line into fair use because it's satirizing or doing other things with it. So it's like for me, like I'll buy stuff that I think like has made it original in mm-hmm. a different way. Like the shirt I'm wearing right now says space hugs. It's. I don't think fully licensed right. by the Aliens franchise, <laughs> um, but it's funny and it's cool and they've done something unique with it. So I'm like, all right, that's that's different. And it could, I don't know, I'm not a lawyer, but I think it could like walk that line out of being infringement. Yeah. But it's also towing the line there, too. Right. right. Uh, I, I treat it kind of like the, the same way I treat sampling. I mean, generally... As long as you haven't kind of gotten to a certain level where you're making a certain amount of money off mm-hmm. of it, kind of below the radar because, I mean, what are you going to do, sue, sue some poor artist who's not going to be able to pay you anything? Right. So, I mean... And my thing with this, too, and this obviously is my very unlawyer-ish, ignorant opinion, but, you know, these people selling this fan art, like, are they taking away profits from Marvel? Are they taking away profits from DC by selling this fan art? Probably not. Probably in, not. in a way, it might actually be kind of helping to kind of propel that in the same way that, you know, Napster era kind of helped to expose people to certain music that they wouldn't have ordinarily had a chance to or wouldn't have ordinarily listened to if they couldn't have just downloaded it. Right, right. So Before Metallica it, came in and tried to ruin everything mm-hmm. yeah. like they do. At Megacon <laughs> last year? Or, no, it wasn't. It wasn't Megacon. It was Supercon. Uh, last year, there was a panel that discussed um, some of the trademark and copyright violations. And I don't even remember if it was about that or if it just went into that, like spiraled into that. But one of the things mentioned that I thought was a good point, which is close to what you were saying, Forrest, is that some of the companies know what's happening and they just do turn a blind eye to it because they know that part of the fan art and all that like enhances their brand. So if it's something that they know is hurting their brand, they'll take action. Right. But like if it's just some cool art that makes people like wear it around and get excited... They're not going to, you know, put the kibosh on it. Yeah. So we'd love to know what you guys think. So we posted the article on our Facebook. Uh, So get on there. Let us know. Let us know what you think about about copyright infringement. And do you yourself buy uh, fan art? And do you Mm -hmm. think you're stealing? I haven't had convention. I haven't done that at a convention. Uh, Everything that I've purchased actually was, you know, branded and official yeah but i've i've looked and i was like i was really searching for wolverine like a wolverine uh spider-man team up okay i was hoping that there was some fan art somebody had done of the two of them either fighting each other or teaming up against somebody yeah because my kids are parker and, and logan and so i wanted something for them 
And I couldn't find it anywhere. Uh, so I'm going to have to get that commission someday. Yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. See, fan art makes cool stuff that wouldn't normally exist in the universe. Exactly. We got some more news uh, about uh, Star Trek Discovery. Which is sounding more and more like fan art. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is now it's turning into fan fiction. Uh, they came out and they released that uh, Star Trek Discovery is going to have a TVMA rating. Um, nope, 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 nope. Is that your, is that your poem? About mm-hmm. is that your haiku yes. about the TVMA rating? Mm-hmm. Um, so for those of you following along at home, uh, TVMA rating is defined as um, it's basically rated pro- R. It's well, it's, well, it's no, it says this program is specifically designed to be viewed by adults and therefore may be unsuitable for children under seventeen. This program may contain one or more of the following: crude and decent language, explicit sexual activity, or graphic violence. Yeah, that's the same thing as rated R. I'm with it. Alien sex. <laughs> Alien sex, essentially. So it. in the article that uh, that we posted about this, w- so they talk about how there's other shows that have a TVMA rating that are very successful, and they and they reference things like Game of Thrones or um, mm-hmm. what is what's the other one that they, what they that they bring up? And it's like, I mean, I okay, I only ever really watched Next Gen. Okay. And Next Gen was campy. Yes. And kind of silly at times uh-huh. and had awesomely terrible graphics mm-hmm. and there was nothing like explicitly sexual or incredibly violent mm-hmm. about the show and mm-hmm. i think that's what gave it its charm and i think that's why i enjoyed it so much and that can be said about every single franchise right and every part of this franchise and so they say you know, so they reference here they say um some of the best shows in the past decade have had such a rating, including Game of Thrones, South Park, The Sopranos, Homeland, Fargo, True Detective, Mr. Robot, and Orange is the New Black. And none of these shows are shows that you can watch with your children. Exactly. That's what Star Trek is always supposed to have been, is something that it's fun for all ages. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's an entry-level uh, uh, sci-fi show that you can get your kids into. Right. And so, so, uh, Aaron Harvard's actually came out and made a statement. He said, uh, what's it, you know, and I quote, what's important to the creative team is the legacy of the show, which is passed down from mother to daughter, from father to son, from brother to brother. We want to make sure we're not creating a show that fans can't share with their families. You have to honor what the franchise is. I would say we're not going much beyond hard PG 13. Um, that's still, still not what uh, we go to Star Trek for. Right. And I've actually, I've actually, because we know that Al has had very uh, strong flip floppy feelings about this show as we've been following it <laughs> yes. on the show. So I have a direct quote from Al, uh, about this because he's not here with us this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Al says, Star Trek porn is a bad idea. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with a bit more grit, but I'm not looking for Game of Thrones in space. Yeah. So Al's not looking for alien sex. And one of the reasons that they're doing this, I think, is because they are on the streaming service. Mm -hmm. They are behind a paywall. Right. It's not going to be broadcast TV like it always has been. You got to get people to buy that app. I don't know why (laughs) that... That's a whole nother, but yeah. Yeah. so Al Al declared the last time that we we talked about this that he might actually buy the app, and now Mm -hmm. do we think he's going to do it? (sighs) Probably not. I don't know. I don't know. I may let him. I feel like, I feel like deep down inside, Al kind of wants uh, I may alien let him build sex. Up and I think Al's getting ready to hate watch sex. it. Right? Yeah. I think he's going to hate watch it. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. they're not going to dump them all. They're going to do a weekly drop, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they're not doing a Netflix style where they're releasing the whole yeah. I may let them build up. Season. It may be like free trial it. Yeah, well, the first, and then binge watch. <laughs> the first episode will be on CBS. Totally screw the system. <laughs> and then after episode one, it goes behind that paywall. Okay. So... 
I'm not thrilled about it. I don't like it. I mean, well, there are elements of the the newer show that I've heard that I kind of really dig, and then and then it's gimmicky I, stuff like this was like every, yeah. The trailer looked kind of cool. Yeah, but that's the only thing I've liked about this. I don't like what they're doing with the timeline. I don't like what they're doing with the technology. I don't like what they're doing with the Klingons, and I don't like what they're doing with the rating. Mm. I don't know. I mean, but then again, it could it could appeal to a whole a whole new fan base. But and we'll have to see. Horny fan base. Exactly. A whole new horny fan base. We'll right. have to see. Uh-huh. All right. In other Star Trek news, uh, we have something a little bit more PG thirteen, I guess, or rated R. I don't I know. know. I don't know what married people do. Uh, we've got a Star <laughs> Trek engagement, which is kind of cute. Uh, so Adam Nimoy, who is Leonard Nimoy's son, and uh, Terry Farrell. Farrell? Farrell? Farrell. Farrell. I think it's Terry Farrell. Um, uh, Dan, you pronounce her name because I don't under, I don't know how to pronounce her character's name on the show. No, she, she played was Dex. in Deep Space Nine. There yeah, we she go. played Dax on, on Deep Space Nine. Oh, I was Same looking name. more at her first name. But if we were just going to say Dax, I could have done that. Thanks for making me look stupid on the air, Dan. That's cool. No problem. <laughs> that's, that's what, that's what I'm for. here for. All right, moving well, you on. You mispronounced Farrell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. Damn maybe it, you're Dax. supposed to be on my side. <laughs> Apparently Dax is a tongue twister. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, All right. Lord. Okay. Let's get serious for a minute here, guys. Uh-oh. Okay. We're going to get serious here for a minute. So uh, Stanford researchers have developed a new type of robot. It is a soft robot and it grows. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like a vine. Uh, the actual The actual headline on the article here is a newly developed vine-like robot can grow access long distances without moving its whole body. Uh, it could prove useful in search and rescue operations and medical applications. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be the first to come out and say, fuck this shit. Whoa. So have, have, I'm claiming the F-bomb for the episode, guys. Uh-oh. Um, this is not okay. Why is this not okay? This is not okay because you're giving, you're giving more um, freedom and, and movement and, and, and sentient ability uh-huh. to a robot this has no sentient ability. Yeah, it does it grow on its own? Yet. We don't we don't know that it doesn't right grow on its own. Right now you have to own. hook an air compressor no, up to the, it. Yeah, to this, make it no, work. this is true. The, we all know how I feel about robots. This is actually wrong. kind of cool. You you feel I feel, wrong I feel wrongly about robots. Yeah, you'll all be laughing when me and Elon are on Mars together. Mhm. Um, motor oil. No, so basically this is it's a, it's a tube. It's very much like the uh the things that you used to find at the Discovery Channel store. The little Mm-hmm. The, the slippy guys that you can yeah, like hang the on jelly to. Tube yeah. And so it's, it's material that's folded up inside of itself and then they pump air. And sometimes in, in one of the, uh, one of the prototypes, they actually use liquid instead of air and it makes it grow and it can expand without the entire thing moving. Um, that, I mean, that sounds useful mm-hmm. until you go into like this Lovecraftian area. <laughs> Thank you. Tentacle monster type. Thank thing. you. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, no, I, I, I'm like actually on board with, with both. It does. <laughs> um, and and what's even more terrifying about this? Uh, they said that it, it, it completed an obstacle course. Uh, it traveled over flypaper, so it won't stick to flypaper. It traveled over sticky glue, mm-hmm. uh, and it got itself caught up on nails and was able to persevere even when being punctured by a nail. Hard so now to we've kill, cr- hard to, hard to kill, ki- yeah, exactly. Hard to so we've created an indestructible moving robot that grows and can travel across long distances. And it's just a tube of plastic, guys. The choice of words are so odd. It persevered. <laughs> yeah. It's not sentient. It didn't decide to like keep trucking but the cool thing is <laughs> they can tell it. they can tell it to 
grow more on the right side than the left side, let's just say, so it'll turn left. So they can they can steer this thing through, say, your walls to run cable, to make it easier to run cable through your house. And kill you. They can use it to, like, if there's a, a miners that are trapped, they can use it to snake its way through the rocks. And, and kill like them. That. No, and, and <laughs> save their lives. This is This is good. I've seen this movie. I've seen how this movie starts. And then later on, it can be used to go through the past, you know, through the bodies of the non-believers <laughs> that don't actually bow down to the robot overlords. What do you think about that one? Liz? Um, I think that I am right, and you're all going to perish. And yeah. I'm. I, but wait, does this mean that I'm declaring myself like the hero of the robot wars? Like I have to be the one to fight the robots when this actually happens? You're, you're just making yourself robot food. I don't want to be robot food. I want to yeah. be. I want to be the. I want to be the champion of the people. Good luck with that. So this this brings us to like a really 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 good segue. Yeah. Okay. Now that we're talking about killer robots, because my man, because my man Eli, Elon, Elon, that's my man Eli. (laughs) So I got really excited. I got really excited because I just watched Eli change the slide, and then we went to Elon. (laughs) Also, I call him Eli now. We have we have pet names for each other. He calls me Pookie. Um, So this week in Elon, so Elon Musk has actually come out, um, and with. 116 other experts and specialists he has pleaded with the un to bring a ban on killer robots essentially Mm -hmm. uh so they're calling for a ban on autonomous weapons uh including drones tanks and automated machine guns uh ahead of this the group of founders of ai and robotics companies have sent an open letter to the un calling for it to prevent the arms race that is currently underway for killer robots okay i'm not this is the wild flex on on mark uh zuckerberg because Zuck was yeah. like, no, there's nothing. Elon told him you didn't well, know exactly. enough. And Bezos, no one. And Jeff Bezos was just taking. He was just like in a mech suit, like getting his picture taken, <laughs> taking it out for a walk. Uh, <laughs> but this is coming from Elon Musk, the guy that gives us the robot cars. Yeah, his robot cars are peaceful and just want to take us safely okay, to whoa, whoa, our destinations. Okay. I don't want to bring the, 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 the mood down. The I don't want to make bring the mood down or make light of something that we shouldn't make light of, but. We are in a world we've, where we've just had two pretty major terrorist attacks take place in cars. Is, he makes robot cars. This is very true. Those are weapons. Are you suggesting that robots are terrorists? I'm just suggesting that a robot car could be a terrorist just as easy as one with guns mounted to it. Which is why mm-hmm. we need to be wary of the robots. Well, you just make sure that we pick the right side is what we need to do. <laughs> I'm just saying, oh, yeah, see, Elon. Think- Elon's got his wires crossed here. He can't decide what he's for and what he's against. It seems like. Are you? Are you? So saying- Elon, if are you, you would like Elon to answer no these resolve? questions, we always have a seat available for we you. We always have a seat here available in the for you. Keep calling his name like Candyman. He's going to pop up on the screen. <laughs> Elon, Elon, <laughs> Elon, Elon Musk, Elon Musk. Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> Say it three times and spin around in a circle, and then he appears and sticks his robots on you. I like wish a Bond villain. Like uh, yo. I don't know. I just. I mean, do we think that he's being? Do we think that this is a publicity stunt? Do we think that he's being ridiculous or do we think that he legitimately cares about automated weapons? What like what is Elon's motive here? Elon just got a lot of ideas. <laughs> he's just a, he's um, just the idea guy. Yeah. Well, let's see about the eight ball of cocaine. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, cuz he, he also, I mean, just recently we were talking about how uh he's come out and said that this is all a simulation anyway. Yeah. Right. This no. This is very true, and it, and it gets really meta, and it gets really yeah. Oh, we haven't done it. We it haven't hurts done your a, brain. We haven't done a good existential episode in a really long time. We'll work on that. Yeah, we should work on that. Yeah. yeah so this is this is coming from the guy that yeah that came out and said that uh, that 
we're basically living in the matrix. Yeah. So I don't know how much stock we can put in that. Can I get a cheat code? <laughs> right? Like, remember in The Sims when you could well, just like type in like, got it. <laughs> like hashtag dollar sign, please money now. And then you had like $10 million in your bank account like, yeah, and please. you could build yourself your fancy mansion. Where is that? Where's that cheat code for life? <laughs> uh, another quick mention in this week in Elon. I just thought it was really funny because we know that we had like a astrological phenomenon happen Did yesterday. We? I don't know if you guys, Did we though? I don't know if you guys heard about it, but there was this little eclipse that happened yesterday. Uh, well, if you're listening, it's Thursday. So it happened on Monday, uh, Monday, August 21st. But, um, you know, there was all this, all this nonsense about don't stare into the sun and please make sure that you're wearing your protective glasses. And Elon Musk just got on Twitter and was like, watching the clips through the roof of my model S with my sunglasses on everybody. So yeah, I'm, I'm it's probably safe. tinted pretty good. Only it's probably I tinted incredibly. And push a T. That's the only <laughs> clips I acknowledge. I'm good. <laughs> I'm, I'm straight. For those of you not here in Central Florida, uh, pretty much, I'd say 95% of Central Florida was covered in clouds yeah. during the eclipse, so most yeah. of us didn't actually get Real to experience. Bummer. I got to see it. It was it was pretty neat. I, uh, it was I, nice lighting. It was very eerie. Yeah. It was... It was and you know it what was really... raining the whole time at my apartment. Oh. oh the whole bummer. time. We got to see most of it. Yeah. Like, mainly through breaks in the clouds, but... Still it was decent. at my office over top of in a uh, in in Maitland. It was it was pretty sunny. Video we, producer Eli went uh, up to South Carolina. Yeah, he was in the totality. Got to see the totality himself and said it was amazing. I know. I heard a lot of people say that it was basically like sunset all around you, and it was. Could you see stars? Okay. No, it basically no. got like twilight, right? There was talk of in certain areas you'd be able to see stars. If you were in totality. I personally am looking forward to our superpowers. That's what I'm saying. I went out and I stood directly in the sunlight of the eclipse and then I could not jump up to the fourth floor of my building yesterday and I was very upset about it. Save the cheerleaders. I'm just just don't feed Audrey 2 any blood. (laughs) I looked directly into the sun hoping that I was going to go blind and then be the next lady daredevil. Hmm. Didn't happen and I can still see. Bummer. Which is probably a good thing. No Don't cyclops. have powers, bad no thing. No cyclops, lasers, nothing. Can still see, good thing. Just holes in your retinas. <laughs> Just holes in my retinas. Didn't they say it takes like a couple of days for the the effects of eclipse mm-hmm. blindness to fully to fully happen? So yeah. stay tuned, folks. We'll see. We'll see you next week. We'll, we'll see, see if you see us. Ah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, talking talking about uh, superpowers. Yeah. Let's move into some defender stock. I'm doing really good with the segues. That was this good. Week, that was good. I'm proud of you for that one. Thanks. Uh, all right, so defenders. defenders. Did you just hand the ball to me? Is I super did. Here, here it is. You just got really quiet. Here you go. Talk to us about the defenders, guys. Okay, so uh, I, I can lead into it. I can do that. Yeah, go for it. All right, so the defenders dropped on Friday on Netflix. Um, and Dan, have you seen the whole thing? I have one episode to go. I've been saving so, it. So Dan's almost seen the whole thing. Forrest, have you seen the whole thing? I've seen the entire thing. I actually sat through Friday night and watched the whole thing awesome okay i've seen the first episode because i am not yet finished with the rest of the series leading up to it and you've seen the first two episodes i am literally i am literally on the left so i didn't watch daredevil i know bits and pieces about daredevil but i did not watch the series daredevil um i am almost finished with jessica jones okay i literally am on the last episode of jessica jones nice um have you watched luke are you gonna i have not i'm i'm planning on it um, be the, BT dubs guys. Mm-hmm. I almost said be the way, be the way, 
by the way, uh, this is about to be really spoiler filled. So if you have not watched yes. uh, any of the series leading up to the Defenders and have not watched the Defenders, you should probably go away for like the next like 30 minutes. And specifically what we're going to get into is the things that matter for Defenders. Yeah. Not necessarily for like Jessica Jones season two or Luke Cage season two, but the stuff that actually has to do with them all together. Yeah. So what's your so before we get into it really deep, what's overall impression so far? I love it. Yeah, I, I dug it. I, I, it. I think it. Um, for those people who had complaints about Iron Fist, mm-hmm. it did a lot to fix. Yes, what didn't quite work with Iron Fist. Okay, I agree with that a hundred percent. And it's only eight episodes instead of the usual Netflix thirteen. Yeah, so which is nice. Hey, it, it doesn't give them time to have that normal lull. What do you call the, the Marvel slump? Yeah, Hal calls the Marvel slump, um, and. And it, the way that they set these episodes up, it's like a, a cliffhanger every episode. So it's just built for binge watching. Yeah. Um, I, I, I love it. So we're going to start off at Daredevil season one and work our way forward. Um, kind of introducing you to all the important characters and plot lines. Sound good? Sounds great. All right. So teach me things. All right. So we start off with Daredevil season one. And for anybody who doesn't know Daredevil's origin, he's the son of a boxer. His dad uh, was basically bribed to throw a fight, and then he refused to do it. And then he stared directly into the eclipse of 1962. No. Is that not? No. Well, the, 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 the guys that he was mixed up with <laughs> came back and uh, took him out because of it. Yep. And so now we have our usual orphan, which I mean, every orphan becomes a superhero. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, along the way, before before his dad died, he was in an accident where he was trying to save somebody that was get, about to get hit by a truck. Okay. And uh, pushed them out of the way. And the truck had these barrels of some kind of toxic waste that hit him, and he was blinded. So pretty stereotypical superhero stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So did the toxic Except- waste blind him and also give him his powers? They've been really cagey about that, I think, on the the series, about the true origin of his powers. Okay. Um, Stick, his mentor, taught him to hone his abilities, and Stick is also blind and isn't like a ninja guy. That's amazing. Like a regular ninja or a super ninja? Super ninja. Super ninja. Super super hero ninja. Super blind ninja. He's also super Catholic. Yes. Super Catholic. Yeah, there's a lot of Catholic guilt going on (laughs) with Daredevil. Can Can you be a Catholic ninja? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. He's got to do confession. Yeah. (laughs) And he goes to confession. Forgive me, Father, for I have broken like 13 necks this week. There are three things that he does a lot in season one. Punching people in the face. (laughs) Okay. Having sex and going to confession. Okay. I mean, as long as you say sorry for the sex and the punching people in the face. That's Matt Murdock in a nutshell. Cool. Okay. Um, This series takes place very shortly after the events of Avengers. Okay. So there are references to the incident. Now, where does does Daredevil fall? Where does the series fall in with the movie? Or is that one of those things where we just kind of like act like Ben Affleck never did that? Oh, that, yeah. That didn't happen. Okay. Okay. So we treat that like episodes one through three? Yeah, because that's pre MCU existing. Yeah. Gotcha. Like that's that's before Iron Man. Okay. Um, so yeah, this is all original. Okay, so just a quick rundown of the main characters in uh, Daredevil season one. Obviously, Matt Murdock, his business partner, uh, fellow lawyer Foggy Nelson, and then they hire their first client. Uh, her name is Karen Page. She becomes their secretary. Uh, he runs into a nurse to help him patch up all of his wounds, named Claire Temple. And his big bad is, in this season is Wilson Fisk, the kingpin, 
who is played by uh, what's his name? Vincent D'Onofrio, and Mar- is absolutely yeah. probably one of the best villains in Marvel and in, in the MCU. That's definitely in the Netflix series, but yeah, yeah, in the MCU overall, like his build up and the delivery. it's fantastic so stick we find out uh is his mentor and he has basically been training matt for this upcoming war that he's been telling him his whole life is coming okay and the people that they're going to fight against are the hand and so the who are the ninjas yeah and the hand will come up in every series that is that and claire the the nurse are the connective tissue that bring all of this together okay um, so there's a guy from the hand, like the main ninja in the show is Nobu. He's the really bad guy. Um, and there are references to the black sky. They keep on looking for the black sky. Eventually they find the black sky and it's a little kid and they kill him and they think the black sky is taken care of more on that later. Um, <laughs> uh, and then we've got, uh, the lady in charge, it would seem of the hand is Madame Gao, who is, um, selling heroin and running ninjas. Okay. And generously throwing shade at every moment. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love it. And now, okay, fantastic. but why why is it always why are ninjas also always in any in any kind of you know, kung fu movie that you see, they're always drug dealers. Why are ninjas always drug dealers? I don't know. Why are they, why is like why is drug dealer Because like, racism. Why is drug dealer the front for being a ninja? You know, like usually it's like the bakery is the front for being a drug dealer, but it's like, no, we're just kindly drug dealers. Just kidding, we're ninjas. Yeah. That doesn't work for you. I just it totally I works mean, for me. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. I got no Move, problem with this. Moving on. All right. So we've got kind of an A plot of Daredevil versus the Kingpin. Uh, Daredevil, this season, this series is all in Hell's Kitchen in New York. It's one little neighborhood that he's constantly referring to as the city. Uh, <laughs> nobody told him Hell's Kitchen, just a little part of a big city. Okay. Uh, he doesn't but, know. But like he can't see. He doesn't go out of these like 24 blocks. It just okay. does not happen. The rest of the city, <laughs> he doesn't give it a damn. Um, we'll get to Harlem later. Uh, B plot is uh, Daredevil versus the Hand and Gal. Okay. So you'll see in pretty much every Marvel series, we've got an A plot, a B plot. Yeah. And I think the B plot kind of ties them all together. Anything else you think we need to head on for Daredevil season one? For season one, not really. It's not. it's it's an origin story. It's introducing us to our characters and setting up our world. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm thinking like Karen doesn't really transition until season two. So yeah, that's that's about right. Okay. Yeah. And surprise, surprise, he wins in the end, and Fisk goes to jail. Ooh. Yeah. So uh, then we get Jessica Jones. Now you could talk more on this one. Yay! This one I actually know. Okay. So do you know her origin story? I. Yes. Yes. What happened? Her parents died because she took her brother's Game Boy. <laughs> <laughs> or she wouldn't wow. give her brother the Game Boy. <laughs> okay, so let's go back a step. It's it's sad because she's not wrong. Um, so Jessica Jones, actually in the comic books, uh-huh. went to high school with Peter Parker. Okay. So the timelines are definitely off here in the MCU. She had a huge crush on Peter Parker, but he was all into his girls and all that kind of okay. stuff. Okay. Anyway, um, her and her family were on a family trip to Disney World in Orlando. Oh, my God. And she and her brother are fighting over the, the Game Boy, and <laughs> Dad's yelling at him and swerves and gets into an accident, and there's these weird barrels with some weird toxic waste. And there's a theme here. She's the only survivor from the accident. Right. Um, and she gets these 
magical powers and not magical. Uh, she gets these superpowers and goes off to live with her friend, Trish Walker. Okay. So in the show, yeah, they kind of glaze over that because I'm, I'm assuming that they're assuming that you already know that the like true origin story. No, they, they show it in the show. Well, I mean, they show it, they show the accident, but they don't show anything about toxic sludge. Uh, they just show the accident and they show her waking up in the hospital. Hmm. So she had powers before the accident or no, she, after. So she ah. gained powers in the accident. Yeah. Okay. Her family died and she got powers. Okay. Yeah. That's a okay. lot of, a lot of therapy there now. <laughs> and, and this, this series is not an origin. They do show some flashbacks and mm-hmm. stuff, but, um, in the comic books, we, then we go a little bit deeper into it. And the fact that she tried to be a superhero, um, crystal jewel jewel That's jewel what it was jewel and she had the costume and everything she fought with the avengers uh they actually redconned all these famous old panels from comic books and like put her into these panels like she was fighting alongside everybody yeah and then the purple man made everybody forget her okay like she never existed so she watch, walks into like avengers mansion and they're all like who the hell are you uh, who's she's the, like guys who's, i've been saving the world with you for years who's the purple man uh Kilgrave. okay Thank you. So he is her arch nemesis. Yes. Um, he, after uh, tearing her away from the Avengers by making them all forget her, mm-hmm. he kidnaps her, tortures her, sexually abuses her, and makes her love him. Her, his power is anything he tells you to do, you have to do. You have a compulsion to do. Stockholm Syndrome. To the, the, the craziest degree. Right. Yeah. Well, I think it's very interesting in the show, too, that you know, we, we kind of get a little bit of his background and now it's, it's very unclear to me. Did his parents cause him to be like this by doing experiments on him or did they accentuate the power that already existed? That's a good question. I don't think that's ever really answered. It's just kind of like the unanswered. Okay. And and he was an existing character long before her in the comics. She only came around in like 2003, somewhere in there. yeah. 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 She is, she is the, in the comic book world, she's the newest of all of them. Yeah. So, Uh, so, um, I just thought it, I, I, th- I find it interesting that they, they, they kind of, they talk about his powers as a virus, mm-hmm. um, what he does and what he spreads and the way that he can compel people to do things. They refer to it as a virus and they, and they, and they basically say that there's a, there's an antidote right. to and that, cure that. And that proximity, proximity to him mm-hmm. is what keeps it going too. Okay. Um, so he's our big bad. Uh, Jessica uh, is a private investigator at this point. She's put the, the superhero costume away. She's not really thrilled about having these powers. She just wants to live her life. And so she's a PA. She uses the powers when they can help her. Mm-hmm. And she works. Uh, or when she's drunk and angry. Yeah. Yeah. I really relate to this character. She gets a lot of work through <laughs> Jerry Hogarth, who is a lawyer, uh-huh. uh, who in the comics is a man. Um, and is Trinity from yeah. the Matrix and in, the, in the show? Was a lost <laughs> man. Yeah, um, we've got her neighbor Malcolm, who uh, appears at least in the beginning to be a heroin addict, but mm-hmm. it turns out that it's just the Purple Man screwing with him and making him act like an addict. Yeah. Um, I mentioned Trish Walker before. She's got her own radio show. She had a TV show as a kid. And she is doing some serious Krav Maga training (laughs) (laughs) through this series. And she's like, hey, if I'm friends with Jessica, I might want to be able to protect myself. Right. (laughs) Um, Well, I think we see, too, that Jessica is one of those, like, kind of, like, tragic heroes where she kind of, like, destruction kind of follows her. Yeah. Yeah. In the form of Kilgrave, Mm -hmm. obviously. But they're setting her up to get her costume, too, right? 
No, they showed it in the the show, but Jessica in the in the comics. No, 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 no Jessica uh, Trish. Oh, Trish, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they're setting her up to be. Was it Hellfire? Hellcat. 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 Yeah. Sorry. Hey. <laughs> so it's, it's one of our derby oh, team names. Nice. The Hellcats. Um, so then we meet this other powered individual that becomes friends with her, very friendly with her, named Luke Cage. Oh, we're talking yes. about Mr. Cage. This, yes. Mr. Cage. What was your impression of Mr. Cage when you met him? Yowza. Okay. You see why, why Al likes him? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they had some uh, some super powered sex. They yeah. did. Yes. Which yeah. I thought was really funny because, you know, in the first time that they hook up, he's very much like, uh, like oh, we can't. I'll, I'm going to break you. And right. she's like very much like, Try me, yeah. And which, which can we just take a second to talk about the the ramifications of superhero sex? Oh yeah, like how many how many broken headboards, how many broken beds, how many broken skulls, <laughs> broken skulls. Well, I well okay, we're you're, okay. So Pelvic bones. How terrifying do you think that? How terrifying do you think that is the first time that like Luke Cage has sex with a normal woman and just like slips up a little bit and forgets to hold back? That's been the constant question about Superman and Lois <laughs> Lane. Lane. Well, is it, in in the comics, isn't it kind of like doesn't like doesn't he kill her? No. In some kind of way. No. Sexually, or no. is that just a weird dream that I have? <laughs> We're learning a lot about Liz today, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm especially off camera. By fan the way. fiction of some sort. Yeah, that could be fanfic. <laughs> so, this is why my computer has so much malware on. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. So Luke is bartending at uh, the bar that uh, happens to be right near Jessica's place. Uh-huh. Uh, they meet, they hook up, and then she finds out that he had a wife. That was killed <laughs> by none other than her. Whoopsie Daisy. Yeah, it turns out that the Purple Man kind of or uh, Kilgrave kind of made her kill Luke's wife. That's unfortunate. Yeah, and so they kind of break up over that. What an awkward situation. Um, we've got this other guy uh, that doesn't really matter for Defenders named Nuke. Uh, so uh, he's from the comics. He's having a relationship with Trish, and of course we have our wonderful Night Nurse. Claire that comes in and helps patch things up, uh, especially when Jessica shoots Luke in the head, hmm. which just knocks him out. He's fine. Yeah, totally he's cool. totally fine. Yeah, Superheroes, you can get shot yeah. in the head and be fine. Now, okay, so what? Now, Luke Cage came out after Jessica Jones. Like none of yes. these series overlap, correct? correct? They all came out individually, and there's no, we're not doing like the Buffy Angel crossover thing. No, no, no. no. This no. has all been spaced out. Okay few months in between go on so uh here the a plot is jessica versus uh Kilgrave, the purple man and our b plot is a lot of stuff about trish i felt like yeah and yeah. her, her, her mommy issues yeah which that's going to be all season two uh really the only thing that we need to know about jessica for the defenders is malcolm and trish and her history with luke yeah i mean it- Aside from introducing Jessica as a as a character, it didn't necessarily have a lot of effect on what you see in the Defenders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, none of her stuff really carries over into it. Yeah. Yeah, she's the only one that doesn't really encounter the hand in her season. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess Luke doesn't Luke really doesn't either. either. Like, really, yeah. the yeah. main... T- like, if you're wanting to know, to be up on what you need to know for the Defenders, Iron Fist, and really season two of Daredevil are the yeah. main ones that you need to... The other ones are just kind of like character development introduction mm-hmm. stories to Luke exactly. Cage and Jessica yeah. Jones. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. Still not going to watch Iron Fist, though. <laughs> Daredevil season two comes next, and we are introduced to Frank Castle, a.k.a. The Punisher, um, and Elektra, a.k.a. Ninja Girlfriend. Ninja girlfriends. 
Um, so this one kind of has three plots. You've got uh, Daredevil versus the Punisher, Daredevil and Elektra, and then this Black Sky hand situation. Okay. Yeah. Uh, through the course of the series, we find out that Elektra has been training with Stick pretty much her entire life to be now, a weapon. Is his name Stick because he's blind and he uses a walking stick? I mean, I, you know, I, maybe I, he hits people with sticks. Maybe it's it's just a, a, that's a very ninja. That's, it could a very, be a nickname. that's a very Catholic ninja thing to do is to hit people with a stick. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, so yeah, she's been training with stick uh, for the upcoming war uh, her whole life. Um, then we find out that she is the black sky, whatever that Ooh. is. Mm-hmm. And uh, she dies in the course of the series and then is put into some little like metal eggshell looking thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of know that she's coming back at some point. Basically. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Matt and Foggy break up. Who? Matt Foggy, and Foggy. is a his, business partner. Slash yeah. Okay. Friend. Yeah. His, I'm following. His best friend. I'm yeah. taking notes. Yeah. Um, and Karen and Frank Bond. Mm-hmm. And now Punisher's going to get his own series, so we'll worry about that later. Okay. Um, Nobu, the uh, major ninja from the first series mm-hmm. that died, comes back. And Matt's all like, what the hell? How are you here? I killed you. Introduction of resurrection. Exactly. So we know that people could be uh, resurrected. So um. that's really Devil Season 2 in a nutshell for this. Yeah. Next up, we've got Luke Cage, which is probably my favorite of the series. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. It's fun. Why? It's, a, it's, it's just a fun watch, man. It's so good. Uh, there's a, a nightclub that's heavily involved okay. in the series, and you get a lot of really cool live performances in the club by all kinds of musicians, jazz musicians, hip-hop, R&B, all kinds of stuff. It's really good. Yeah. Great music throughout. And just the score of the entire series, it's it's great musically. Um we get Luke's origin kind of in the middle of the series for some reason. Yeah. yeah. Because we already know Luke from Jessica Jones. Right. So we don't have to do a lot of, hey, who's this guy? Um, it's basically he his bar got, gets blown up in Jessica Jones. Okay. So he's looking for work and a place <laughs> to stay. So now he is sweeping floors at a barbershop in Harlem. Okay. Which That's they make a whole barrel seem like it's a neighborhood. But, you know, yeah. it's all good. Yeah. It's kind of the opposite of Hell's Kitchen <laughs> in that way. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. Your major characters here are Luke, Misty Knight, Claire, Pop, Reva, uh, Mariah, Diamondback, and Shades. Yeah. So um, we already have talked about Claire, uh, the nurse. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, anytime anybody with superpowers gets hurt, she's she's there. She's got like, a little superhero yeah. beeper. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, one of them's hurt. <laughs> Happened again, guys. <laughs> Um, so, uh, but, uh, the two of them get a little steamy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Quite right. steamy. All right. Um, and somehow he doesn't break her. I don't know and how. She doesn't have superpowers. She I just don't has know super how he doesn't powers? break her. No. So I'm just putting that out there. Uh, Misty Knight is a uh, police officer that is patrolling basically, or she's a detective. Well, they hooked up too. Actually. Yeah. True. That'd be in the first, first episode. episode. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, who isn't Luke Cage hooking up with? Like, if you if you were Luke Cage, who would who would you not be hooking up with? I mean, who wouldn't of, hook up with Luke Cage? Exactly. 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 Uh, Pop is the owner of the uh, barbershop, and he's kind of a father figure for Luke. Who's the other guy? I couldn't remember his name when I was taking notes. Thinking about this earlier. 
I know who he is as an actor, but I right. can't remember his name. We need to remember that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. That it's almost like we have these devices at our fingertips that can Google things. <laughs> anyway, we, we find out more about Reva through this season. Um, and this will make you feel good. Okay. Um, turns out that Reva was evil. Not evil. She was say. evil. She was morally gray. Okay. <laughs> I don't no, know about that. And now that. this is his wife. Yes. Yes. This is the dead wife. Okay. So it, we, we find out how they met. They met while Luke was in prison in Georgia okay. for a crime that he was set up for. Uh, he never committed the crime. He went to jail. And he's just trying to do his time and get through. But mm-hmm. people are just screwing with him left and right. And then he ends up in this program uh, where they do tests on him. Okay. And it kind of reminds me of uh, Deadpool with the, the little container Ooh. that they put him in and activated his powers. They've got... One of those machines, basically. Yeah. They put him in, and it makes him bulletproof and super strong and all that kind of good stuff. Okay. Yeah. So liquids equal superpowers. Clearly. Yep. Clearly. There's a, there's a, there's some kind of getting liquid dumped on you theme. Yeah. With superpowers. And Reva was the doctor for the hospital. Yes. And they had a relationship. They fell in love. He escapes. They find each other. That's like how their whole love story happened. Okay. But it turns out that she was working for the guy doing the tests the whole time and was setting him up. Okay. So now we don't feel as bad about her getting killed. I mean, it's so sad, but. She was playing him the whole time. Maybe not. Maybe not that big of a bummer. Okay. What about, what about, what else do we have for Luke Cage? um, Notable, notable characters. um, Cottonmouth is the guy who runs the club. Okay. And he's kind of your. Standard gangster guy running the kind of running the thing, but he's got people he or he he responds to also. Yeah, yeah. I mean, further it, up the food still chain, though, brilliantly played by uh, Mahershala Ali, like fantastic. I mean, that laugh dude is amazing. Is, is insane. I mean, he won a freaking Oscar. He's Mahershala Ali, so like good on Marvel for for you know, snagging him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bad on them for killing him. <laughs> but <laughs> but I mean, in the Marvel universe, I think we've learned that if you're dead, you're not really dead. Yeah. He's really, he's, really good. <laughs> yeah, he, he's not friends with the hand. <laughs> so Cottonmouth uh, was reporting to this guy named Diamondback that we never get to see really for the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a guy named Shades that came uh, on Diamondback's orders and was kind of like, dude, get your shit straight. <laughs> and so he's trying to get him to fix his operation and get things going. And now there's this guy, Luke Cage, messing up their operation, trying to fix everything they're trying to do to, to harm Harlem, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Cottonmouth has, was it his sister or cousin? It's his cousin. Cousin, uh, Mariah, who is an elected official in Harlem and is trying to make everything on the straight and narrow. And she's got this gangster cousin that she's dealing with. And then uh, she eventually kind of comes over to the evil side. And then uh, we are introduced to Diamondback. He finally comes to town. And it turns out, after a lot of information, that we find out the Diamondback is actually Luke Cage's half-brother. And he set him up for the crime that sent him to jail in the first place. And he's got daddy issues and brother issues, and that's why they're fighting. Okay. And he gets, like, a super-powered suit that he fights him in. And special bullets. Special bullets from Heritech. Super follow-along up until this point. Okay. You're doing fine. I'm I promise. super. I'm super ready for for all of the defenders. So uh, in the end, Misty convinces Luke that you need to uh, step up and answer for your crimes and the things that you've done wrong if you ever want to be a hero. 
So we end the season with him in jail. Okay. So next up, Iron Fist. Everybody's favorite. <laughs> this uh, was kind of universally panned as the worst of all the series. Now, I, di- I did my research leading up to this because I hadn't seen all of these series and I knew that I wanted to watch at least some of the Defenders before I finished all because that's a lot of that's a lot of television to take on. Uh-huh. Um, and basically everything that I found on the Internet said, yeah, just read this article. Don't watch the show. <laughs> that's harsh. I mean, I will say this. I I somewhat I actually kind of enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it. Like it wasn't. It, like I said, it's once you realize, okay, this is not going to be as up to par as everything else. Yeah. You just kind of let it exist on its own. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's not that bad. It really isn't. And the other thing is, the, I think that was uh, against Iron Fist is the fact that it was the fifth one to come out. And it had so much leading up to it. Yeah. You, you, uh, coming off of Luke Cage, you thought whatever they're going to put out next is going to be amazing. Yeah. It yeah. Was like win and it was good after win after, but win. it wasn't amazing. Yeah. So if they had put that right after season one of daredevil, I think it would have been a lot better and it would have explained and introduced the hand in a different way. And I think everybody would have known more about what's going on. Well, now what do you think of, of the acting in general? Because I've, I've, I've heard a lot of negative comments about just, who we just found out tonight is Sir Loris. You just found out. Oh, I, knew that. That, yeah. I said that's the royal way. Yeah, <laughs> Finn, I mean Finn. Finn Jones makes some interesting choices. I will say, um, I'm not necessarily giving anything away, um, but I, I, they fixed the issue. I think with his fighting, I okay. think his yeah. fighting is better. Um, but some of his choices as an actor are mm-hmm. still a little bit. But I mean, you know. Here's the thing. The, the, uh, the, the big thing that people hated about the show, as much as just the personality of uh, Danny Rand, the Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. I hated him. Is, <laughs> is the fighting scenes. And we're living in an age where we've got shows like Into the Badlands, where it's an amazing kung fu show where they train for months at a time for each episode. And, yeah. and they know their shit. And this one, they had very little. It's, it was like they actually do the same amount of fight choreography and prep on that show as they do on Supergirl on the CW. And that doesn't work for a Kung Fu show. Yeah. This, this was, people thought it was going to be a Kung Fu show because it's about Iron Fist. Right. It was a fish out of water show. It was an origin story. It was not a Kung Fu show. Okay. Okay. So Here's Danny Rand. He, uh, his parents, uh, the Rands own Rand Industries. They're billionaires. They take them on this trip. They're flying through the Himalayas. Their their plane crashes, and uh, they die, and he lives. So hey, we got another work done. Look at this. <laughs> More running themes. Yes. Um, and so he uh, is found by these monks from a place called Kunlun, mm-hmm. and Kunlun is like a magical city that only appears every so many years. Um, and they take him in and they train him and teach him and turn him into a living weapon basically. And, and he, he literally has to fight a dragon. Yes. Okay. So which they don't talk about in the show, <laughs> but the, the iron, <laughs> think of the, They're like HBO's already got dragons. Thanks. Uh, you can think of the iron fist almost like <laughs> the iron fist is almost like the vampire slayer. Okay. Like Buffy. Like, there's one born in a generation. Got you. Okay. She dies, a new one comes. Okay. Okay. So, once an Iron Fist dies, now you've got all these guys that have been training in Kunlun that, that, uh, 
go through a tournament to decide who gets the right to go fight the, the dragon mm-hmm. to become the Iron Fist. So you go, you fight the dragon, basically you hug the dragon is what it really is. <laughs> um, the dragon's heart is in you the go, cave. You go kiss the dragon's foot. Because the dragon's heart, that they call it, is like this, I don't even know, it's an object in the other room. Oh. <laughs> Past the dragon. So the Iron Fist is Moana. Kind of. <laughs> this yeah. is essentially what you're saying. Kind of similar. <laughs> So he has to, as he's fighting the, the, the dragon, he realizes there's nothing I can do to fight this dragon. Right. So he puts him into like a submission hold, basically. And there's this glowing part of the, uh, the dragon's chest mm-hmm. that has like the dragon symbol on it. Mm-hmm. And that like burns into his chest. Okay. So that's not a tattoo on his chest. It's a, it's a dragon hug burn. It's, it's a brand. That's adorable. So uh, he goes from there and goes and puts his hands into the thing and he comes out with the power. And so basically he can harness his chi into his fist. It lights up and is the most powerful thing basically in the world. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, So notable characters in Iron Fist for the Defenders. Okay. This series, there was talk of canning in the series before we even got to it and making it like a movie instead so we could do two hours instead of 13. Okay. (laughs) And they kept that Rough script, life. basically, and just added filler and character development on top of okay. it. Okay. So um, we've got uh, Danny Rand mm-hmm. and uh, his two childhood friends who are now running his company. The Meachams. Uh, Harold Meacham. Or not Harold. Ward Re- Meacham and Joy Meacham. And Ward was always a little dick growing up. <laughs> and he still is. And Joy was the best, and she still is. Okay. Um, Colleen Wing, uh, he finds she's putting out posters for her dojo, and he's like, hey, I know karate. I could teach some stuff. Karate. And she's like, whatever, white boy. Go away. <laughs> um, and then he shows up, and he starts teaching in her dojo. Basically, they become friends. Okay. Um, Colleen, uh, uh, after Colleen, we've got Claire shows up, of course. Uh, Jerry Hogarth is in this, and Madam Gao. And then we've got Bakudo. So it turns out that Bakudo is the sensei that taught Colleen. Okay. And so they go to him for help when they we're dealing with Madame Gao and the hand. And we get there. And it turns out this is just another faction of the hand. Mm. Another finger, if you will. <laughs> so, okay. So let's explain the hand finally. <laughs> now that we've gotten this far. So the hand are just... You have to know about Kunlun before you can know about the hand. Okay. Um, Are the monks the hand or no? The monks get attacked by the hand or? No. Okay. Okay. So you keep going. You're the expert. Long, 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 long time ago, like thousands of years ago. Okay. um, In Kunlun, uh, there was these people and, and they uh, basically didn't think that they were doing enough with the power of the iron fist Mm -hmm. and that that power could be used not just for protection, but for, Uh, Granting eternal life. Okay. So these five members of Kunlun become uh, terrorists, basically, and turn against Kunlun, and they go and they get some of the substance from the cave with the dragon, and it makes them immortal. And so they, they are the five fingers of the hand. Okay. And so these five fingers spread out across the world. They go back to their home countries, basically, and run their factions of the hand. But they all work together at all times, basically. Okay. But Bakudo and Madame Gao don't really get along that well. So, that's your little thing on the hand. Now, Iron Fist, his whole job, since they came around, is to protect Kunlun from the hand. Mm -hmm. But Danny Rand 
was in Kunlun just long enough mm-hmm. to get his training, go fight the dragon, get his powers, and then he was like, hey, look, the door's open. <laughs> That's the regular world out there. I can go home. So as soon as he gets his powers, he leaves. Okay. It doesn't find out how to use the power of the Iron Fist, how to center his chi, or do any of the things that he's supposed to do. He is Hal Jordan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It, this sounds very irresponsible. Yeah, that's it's totally a, that's irresponsible. A running theme, actually. And he left <laughs> Kunlun unprotected. So in the end, he finally he he and Colleen find out because some people from Kunlun show up. He finds out that the the doorway is open and Kunlun is still unprotected. So they go back and they're going to save the day. And they get there and everybody dead. Everybody's dead. Well, and I think so. I mean, this is this is all we're we're all kind of seeing like a synopsis of, of these storylines mm-hmm. a little bit in the first episode of the defenders. Yeah. Now the thing that I want you to keep in mind with Danny is this is a kid who was like eight years old, 10 yeah. years old and his parents died in front of him and he was raised by monks, not given any formal education really. I mean, he knew how to read by then, but uh, he doesn't know the ways of the world. Okay. And he shows up in New York and he's like, look, that building has my name on it. That must be, Rand Tower, where I hung out when I was a kid, we're hanging out with Dad. So he goes in, and he's like, hey, guys, I'm Danny Rand. Let me go to the penthouse. And they're like, the fuck are you? <laughs> um, and they they kick him out. And basically, half of the series is people going, I'm Danny Rand. No, you're not. That's about half the series. Okay. It doesn't help that he isn't wearing shoes when he tries right. to do a lot of that. Yeah. yeah. And somebody finally gives him shoes, actually. And he's like, why do you guys want me to wear shoes? Fine, I'll fucking wear the shoes. <laughs> like, it's, it's a weird so, tour into, like, a uh, mental health hospital. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. yeah, they lock him up. They think that he's nuts. Like, there's all kinds of stuff. So, so where, what other, so, so we're at the end of Iron Fist. Yeah. We're done with Iron Fist. Yeah. Okay, so, so episode one of the Defenders. So episode so one let's of talk the Defenders. About, let's talk about where we're at. Yeah. And what happens and who everyone is and how they all connect to each other. Now that we've got everyone's backstory. Mm-hmm. So everybody knows Claire. Right. So that's easy. Um, at this point, Iron Fist and Daredevil both know about the hand. Um, Iron Fist, Jessica Jones, and I think, does Luke Cage know Jerry Hogarth? No. No. So no. those no, he doesn't. Iron Fist and, and Jessica both know uh, Jerry. Okay. And but Jerry's farm handles Luke's case. Yes, because Foggy is That's his right. lawyer. Yeah. Okay. Because when Foggy and and uh, Matt broke up, he went and worked for Jerry. Okay. Um. Yeah. So. So we've got we start off basically with Luke being uh, let out of jail. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, so uh, is that is that a is that a like a back back story? That we're like, like, is that a flashback that we're kind of no, flashing was, back past the? No, because his series ended with him going with to jail. him going to jail in the end of his in. series. Okay, but okay. The end of his series. Uh, just an, another aspect. There was evidence that proved that he was actually innocent. Yeah. Right. So the other old guy who we couldn't remember, mm-hmm. uh, who was in like <laughs> This Is Us and yeah. and Mr. Robot. Like I know the guy. His name is like Ron Cephas Jones, but I can't remember. But they gave him. A, he had. A, he has a funny name in the show. Yeah. Um, at any <laughs> rate, up. he so, has proof. Someone please Google this. <laughs> he has proof that that Luke didn't do it. So basically, we're picking up where that proof is finally exonerating Luke, so he can get out of prison. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. 
So, I mean, what do we, what do we see as far as, I, I feel like in the first episode, nobody is really, it's still, it's still introduction. You know, nobody's really crossed paths yet in the first episode. Yeah. Um, they take a few episodes to get there. Yeah. And I haven't, and I have not surpassed episode one yet. Yes. So, so Matt is doing pro bono work. Yeah. And trying to not be uh daredevil anymore. Right. Uh, because of the effects that it's had on Karen and Foggy and everybody that he loves. And his girl lived there. And seeing Electra die had a pretty big... Uh, well, experiencing her <laughs> yeah. death. Yeah, he was holding her he when she died. He didn't see her die, so... Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a blind joke. Yeah. Come okay. on. I got it. But he can kind of see. That's the whole thing. He's... He's the world on fire. Yeah. yeah. He sees everything in, like, shades of red. He sees, like, sonar. Right. Basically. Well, I mean, I think that's that's important about his about his character development and about him as a superhero in general is that he's not completely 100% blind. He has... Right. And he has his no... His own type of sight. He has no super strength. He has no super endurance. Like, that's one of the great things about the fight scenes in Daredevil that made us think that the fight scenes in Iron Fist would be so good. Yeah. Is he's the son of a boxer. Yeah, he's learned uh, karate and, and yeah, all so these different martial arts really dope from Stick. brawling and, and yeah. like, kung fu's like... And when you see him fight in season one, like, there are times where he's just got to stop and take a breath. Yeah. Because he's worn out. Because he's, he's a human. He's, he's not Thor. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he's not a demigod. Um... So he's doing his thing. Jessica is back to uh, having no shits to give. Yeah, uh, just just trying to super doesn't care, and she but she's not even doing PI work at no. this at this point. And in, no. in she's where in we are shutdown now, mode. So. She's just drinking. Yeah, brooding. I love her. Yeah, God, I love her so much. <laughs> um, Luke Cage is also being very broody, and I think we're yeah. we're kind of seeing him uh, deal with his guilty effects of mm-hmm. finding the dead monks. So that'll, that'll kind Did of Did you say you. Luke? Yeah. I, I meant Danny. 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 I, Danny yeah, not is, Luke. I'm sorry. Danny's searching the world with Colleen looking for the hand. Yeah. yeah. Which for a person who like is traumatized from a plane crash, he's, he's logging a lot of flight time. <laughs> but he freaks out every time. Yeah. They at least show us that, that he, yeah. he never gets used to it. Yeah. <laughs> so is that the, is that the, the kind of the reasoning for the panic attack on the plane? Yes. Mm-hmm. And the, and like the, well, I mean, aside from the PTSD dream that he has also. Yeah. So, Oh, we forgot Harold Meacham, by the way, when we were going through the iron fist, Harold yeah. is Ward and Joy's dad. Mm-hmm. And he supposedly died of cancer years ago, but he's really been living in a secret penthouse. Uh, because he was resurrected by the hand. Oh, okay. And Ward kills him and dumps the body and he comes back to life. He's in this like swamp area, comes back to life and is crazier than ever. Pretty much it turns out if you get resurrected by the hand, you be ba- you're nuts. You, you're back you just keep yeah. coming back. Okay. And you get a little bit crazier every time. Awesome. I love it. So it kind of has the pet cemetery effect. Yeah. Right. So just imagine what that's going to do to Electra, a.k.a. Black Sky, when yeah. she comes back to life. Okay. Because she's already addicted to killing people. Yeah. So. Oh, we've got some, we've got some Google assistants from, from technical director Eli. Yeah. Well, you only got me halfway there. Hold on. <laughs> Keep talking. It's fine. Um, Bobby Fish. Yes. Because he plays he plays a lot of chess, so they call him Bobby Fish after Bobby Fisher. Bobby Fish. Okay. Thank you, Eli. Yeah. We appreciate you. Um Yeah, so I mean I guess I guess that's kind of like a good a really good overview of of, of everything without I mean we can't we really can't do I mean I know everyone's probably seen the full series, but we can't really yeah. do but we can't go it, full spoilers on it, this. If you've been watching all these and going, What the heck is going on with this hand thing? Like who are these people and why do we care? 
this series tells you why. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about it. And especially for somebody who hasn't delved into this part of the MCU quite yet. I mean, I love obviously for, for reasons I love Jessica Jones because mm-hmm. what angry young female does not relate to her character. <laughs> I hate everything and I drink too much and I push anyone away that tries to get close to me. So and cool. You were asking about the acting like and the casting and that yeah. sort of thing. I, I think she is the best casting of yeah. the entire group. Like, when I look at Jessica Jones on the page, that's who it is. Yeah. You know, personality so wise. For you as somebody that, look, that, everything. that is a fan of the com, the, you know, mm-hmm. like the tried and true comics, like that's, yeah. it's kind of the, yeah, the sure. kind of the equivalent of like, of like the Severus Snape. Yeah. You know, seeing that on the screen after reading about Perfect. it and being like, oh yeah, that's it. Yeah. Or Tony Stark. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Same thing. Um, I really like my culture as, as Luke Cage. Um, he's portraying him in a way that's a little different than the comics, I feel. But I don't dislike it. I like it better than the comics, Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, and the I, comics, he's a little bit more... How do you put it? He's, he's a little bit less... He's not as smart, I think, in the comic books as he is in the, the show. They make well, him yeah, a little bit more, the, more simple. That's part of the problematic aspect of the Heroes for Hire because mm-hmm. they kind of play like Iron Fist um, as a bit. He's kind of a bit paternalistic to yeah. Luke Cage. Yeah. Like, oh, Luke, calm down. It's, it's a little, yeah. yeah. It's a bit problematic. It's one of the things that they, they did fix. And Luke in, comes from an exploitation comic. Yeah. You know, like he was, his comic came as a response to the black exploitation movies and okay. that whole movement. And they were like, okay, well let's make a character kind of like these movies. Yeah. And, but yeah, but both Luke and Iron Fist have kind of problematic beginnings, yes. mm-hmm. which have Luke Cage didn't really, um, kind of stir up as much controversy as Iron Fist did. But I think mm-hmm. Iron Fist, the controversy that Iron Fist stirred up, would have been lessened had the fighting been better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and the controversy there was, let's change the origin. And instead of making this a white kid from New York that uh, ended up in Kunlun, let's just make it a kid from let's Asia. Make it, let's yeah. make it, well, not necessarily that. The angle... Because they were the angle that people were kind of pushing was you can still do a fish out of water story, yeah. If you make him an Asian American, sure. And he's an Asian American kid. If if you make him an Asian American kid that kind of grew up in America, and he goes and has to dive into this this Asian fully Asian culture and get fully immersed, then you get a chance to kind of open up this immersion story, mm-hmm. and it's a little less you know, tropes that we've seen before would have been something different. Right. At but, the same time, Kunlun is this place where people make pil- pilgrimages to. Yeah. And, and not everybody there is Asian. Bakudo is not Asian. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing that you run into with, with the ancient one from Dr. Strange. Like, yeah, yeah. it's, it, you know, it's yeah. not whitewashing, but it could be perceived that way. Right. Because of the actual history of the character. Exactly. And just because, of, you know, nothing happens in a vacuum. So those tropes mm-hmm. are just, present and if people see something and they're in a space where they're hyper aware mm-hmm. then it's going to be that much more prevalent and then confirmation bias kicks in and it's a whole other bag mm-hmm. yeah well and i then think charlie cox i like him i like his performance i like this daredevil i rock with him but this just it's i don't know, a i think he's a little shorter than i expected for daredevil um a little john snowish <laughs> um 
and 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 he's big on the brooding. He's not big enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, man! But uh, I really like what he's done with the character. Yeah. I think he's definitely made it his own and created a whole different version than anything that we've seen yeah, before. That's, yeah, that's why I work with him. It's yeah. like I love what he's done with it. Yeah, and I look forward to seeing what they're gonna do. Now with uh, Punisher. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, I think they're going to introduce more characters and do a similar situation to what they've done here on that side. Yeah. And, and it's going to be more your anti-heroes. I'm, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to, to watching the whole series. I might I might just watch it without going back and watching everything else because, again, that's a huge commitment. But You got the highlights. Yeah, I got the highlights now, so yeah. we're good. <laughs> well, And I have heard, honestly, that, that you don't really... I mean, obviously, it'll it's nice to be... Uh, you know, up on the series, but you you don't really need to have seen all of right all of everything no. in order to start the defender. Like so I that said. gives me that gives me you know some comfort to know that I can I can be a part of this and I can actually contribute yeah. to <laughs> the conversations mean, on the show now. I mean, it's pretty obvious that Sigourney is the big bad. Yeah, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. she's been announced as such. Um, the first time you're seeing her is in this series so yeah okay nothing to so there's no backstory there that no, we really need to the, know about no you'll her backstory comes in this in this series and yeah. it's it's pretty dope and i my personal favorite thing about sigourney overall in this series is her wardrobe <laughs> like, seriously it's on point from, from the first time you see her it's like oh we dropped the, you know, we we spent part of that budget. Yeah, Sigourney on wild. on Sigourney's oh, wardrobe, top notch. That's exciting. Well, I mean, clearly we can, you know, it's this. I think the Defenders is a testament to like Marvel is still killing it. Yeah, in the market, and they're and going to the, they're going to continue to kill it. I mean, they have Marvel level problems. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's there's DC problems. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we won't talk about. We don't have time to talk about <laughs> DC problems. Marvel level problems. Right. Which are yeah much more minor (laughs) so yeah so the defenders uh out on netflix whole series you've probably all already watched it so we're excited if you're listening to this you might be yeah (laughs) if you're listening to this you might have already watched all of it (laughs) right now um so check it out i'm gonna continue watching yeah let's go into some b-roll and i can finally contribute to this conversation some more because now we're talking about my type of nerd. Yeah, this is going to be more your conversation. This is sure. Roller Derby and yeah. comic books, and it's super cool. So, all right. So we have um, on our person this evening, we've got a copy of, uh, it's a comic book series. It's volume one, and it's called Slam. With an exclamation. With an exclamation point, which is very, very comic book-esque. Um, so basically, what we've got here is a, is a comic book about roller derby. Um, it is written by Pamela Ribbon, uh, who has written the novels Why Girls Are Weird, and you take it from here. She is also an animation writer for Moana and the Wreck-It Ralph sequel. What? Um, and one of the artists on this comic is Veronica Fish. She has worked on Archie, Silk, and Spider-Woman. Uh, so we've got some pretty high-profile people in, in the comic book world, in the, in the production world, in the geek world, uh, that have come together and they've written this this comic book about roller derby, which is obviously very near and dear to my and and Shred uh, Morgan, aka Shred Bundy's heart. Um, basically, the the moral of the whole story is two friends they meet up in what we call fresh meat orientation, uh, which is some people call it fresh meat, some people call it recruitment. Um, basically it means that you're brand new to roller derby. You've never played a day in your life before. And we strap you on skates and we put you out there and we go, good luck. 
And do you start hitting them yet, or are you just no, 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 no? In in our personal uh, recruitment, we don't get to have any contact until <laughs> you don't get to. We don't get to. <laughs> sometimes it happens. Sometimes contact is unavoidable. But uh, no, there is a a very rigorous basic skills training program before you're even allowed to start faking like you're scrimmaging mm. in the sport. Okay. Because we don't want you to get hurt. Because even the best players get hurt. Because this is—it's—it's it's, sport is violent. Like there's no mm-hmm. there's no ifs ands or buts about it. The sport is very violent. Um, but yeah. So the the comic is basically it resol- revolves around Jennifer Chu and Maisie Huff, aka Knockout, and I think a Ken. Uh, they meet in recruitment. They meet on their first day of fresh meat training. They become BFFFFFs, and then we have to see what happens when they go through all the trials of life and roller derby and love and all this, all this fun stuff. Um, but what's really exciting is that, so this comic was picked up by boom studios and then it was canceled. So volume one was released and then it was canceled and then they picked it back up again. So we know that we are promised a couple more episodes. Basically, uh, what we have here, can we, can we hold it up for the camera? Cause we can do that now. Yeah. So this is, this, this is, um, can you see it? He can see it. So this is volume one and this contains basically episodes one through four. Um, so now we know that we're promised five, six and seven, at least if not more in this, in this comic book series. So what they're doing right now is they're doing kind of like a a nationwide tour promoting this comic and promoting the re-release of this comic. And they actually came to Orlando and they contacted our league and a lot of girls from our league actually got to go to this event and promote the comic at Barnes and Noble on uh, colonial, uh, in the downtown area. And shred Bundy was there. And I was supposed to be there, and it wasn't because I was very sick on Saturday. So she's here to save my butt and talk about all the cool things. So tell us a little bit about what went down and how it was, and yeah, what um, happened. And it was it was a pretty cool event. Um, we were supposed to do a Q and A, but they never really um, a crowd never really amassed okay. um, for the Q and A because much well, like our games, it's yeah, and also it's Barnes and Noble on a Saturday, and like, do people buy books in bookstores that frequently anymore? <laughs> um, but uh, we did have like some people who we chatted with, a lot of like little girls coming up with like their parents and stuff. Um, and some teenagers. So we sold a couple, couple copies of slam and signed it. And also roller girl. Cause we were promoting that cross promoting oh, awesome. as well. Cause there were some little girls who this would be too inappropriate for, but it's yeah. like good for teenagers. Right. So. Now roller girl is a, is a technically considered a graphic novel. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, so roller girl is a graphic novel also revolving around roller derby. And it's, it's about a much younger girl. Yeah. It's for like more like a junior derby yeah. type situation. Like elementary. Yeah. For you know, yeah. I don't know. That's a broad range, but right. So this is definitely yeah. This is definitely more revolving around around teenagers. Yeah, I mean these are adults, but I mean it's the subject matter is like it's appropriate for adults, but it's also like pretty like it's pretty uplifting and not like the dark side of roller derby. Right. At all. <laughs> oh, the dark so Jessica side. Jones won't be making any parents. Yeah. she won't be no. playing derby anytime soon. I won't no. show up in this comic. Yeah, no, I'm not there. Uh, I'm not there. Drunken leg wrestling at the after party after a game uh, in this comic either. I mean, it's pretty <laughs> or in accurate, real life. I don't like, do that. What? Yeah, but the the event was fun though. I mean, we signed the comics. I don't know if that devalued them. I was like, am I devaluing this comic since I have no involvement in this? But sure, you can have my autograph. Technically, no. probably. Yeah. Were, were, the, were the author and, and 
the illustrator there? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> we were just there talking about the comics. So the basically they're using they're using roller derby leagues all across the country for free promotion. True, but they gave yeah. us some cool stickers. They did. They really did. They customized you, their logo with our logo. Yeah, if you're checking it out on YouTube, you can see the the awesome graphic that uh, uh, producer Dan put up here. It's a sticker that they actually created for us with our logo. The Orlando Roller Derby sticker is on the helmet of the girl who... I, that's that's Maisie, right? They call her Can Can yeah, in yeah, the yeah. comic. So she's one of the main characters of the comic, and uh, she's got our sticker on her helmet, which is super cool for us, and... Um, awesome promotion so yeah. yeah so it's really exciting and uh, you know and i think i love i love this this crossover of uh you know the comic book world and and the roller derby world because for me it's it's always been you, you know like i was ne- i was never a cool kid and i was never you know i tried every sport in high school and i left because i didn't feel like i fit in with the jocks and mm-hmm. i was a band nerd and i wanted to be athletic and i wanted to play a sport where i felt like i belonged and you know and i also read comic books and was into nerd stuff and you know played wizards in my backyard and whatever and you know so it's like for me like i found i found roller derby and it it you know it's in a way it sounds really corny but it's kind of like you get to you get to be a superhero you know yeah. what I mean? You get to make up your own name. You get to kind of adopt this this different persona, and you get to play this sport and feel like a badass for a couple hours every week. So it's pretty cool, and I think it's a really great crossover. And I think I think it's um. It's I do really... love your crying vampire makeup. Oh, week. thank you, yeah, thank good. you. Yeah, it starts off as just like a little bit of blood, and then sweat happens, and then it looks like I'm, you know. I was wondering experiencing if that was on purpose stigmata. or if that just happens. No, like... it just happens when I sweat. It, I just I use FX blood that I buy at Party City, and I dab a little bit underneath my eyes to give it kind of like that that you know crying blood effect. Mm-hmm. Does my... it ever get in your eye during the game, or like Mm-mm. do you ever wipe it in by accident? No, no, I'm very aware. And I make sure that I don't touch my face. <laughs> I just end up with it like <laughs> just smooshed like all over. Well, the last the last game that we played, um, I actually got some on one of the other players. Um, some girls wear helmets with their faces open, but some girls actually wear face guards, ah. like a helmet with a shield, like a like a clear face shield. What do you call them? You talking about speed? Mm-hmm. So I got a I got fake blood all over Speed's helmet. Good job during the game. So it was pretty. It was pretty great. Uh, She's like that one uh, uh, stormtrooper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like splattered in blood. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's great. And I think you know this this comic is it it uh, kind of encompasses all the themes of of Derby and and what it does for people and and just kind of like everybody in this community. It's you know a lot of people find this sport when they have nothing else and and. It, it helps lift you up and it makes you feel powerful and super Good cool. Stuff. Sounds hella cool. Yeah. So yeah, you can you can find this uh, anywhere comics are sold. You can get it on the internet. You can get it... I just checked this on... Well, it's not on Unlimited, but it's on Comixology. Yes. Oh, it's it on Comixology. Um, you can get it at Barnes & Noble. Um, sure can. And anywhere you sell... Anywhere they sell comic books, you can you can find it there too. Are you getting it? Are you getting it in the shot? Perfect. Ta-da. Hey. So yeah, check it out. It's a fun read. Um, if you like comics and you want to learn a little bit more about roller derby and uh, maybe a little bit more about the drama that goes into roller derby, uh, check out check out Slam. It's pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Right on. Yeah. I'm looking up my shameless plug. Oh, perfect. <laughs> um, all right. Well, while you're looking up your shameless plug, um, let's do some Liz's mom. 
I just I can't come All up right. with a I can't come up with a better way to say this. So yeah, so that's gonna be it. Uh, so if you guys listen or if you have no idea what's going on, basically uh, we have a Patreon and we have different tiers of the Patreon where you can donate. My mother uh, created her own tier and she donates twenty dollars a month. And the stipulation is that she gets to tell a corny joke on the show every week. And Al hates it because Al hates puns. Uh, so this week we've got hey guys, how do the Netherlands? protect its large hamster population when they have lots of rain. I have no clue. That's a really specific setup. That is. They build a hamster dam. <laughs> you didn't have to be here for it live, Al. That's that's one thing. So let's go into some shameless plugs, guys. <laughs> Yowza. You got yours yet, Dan? No, I'm working on it. All right, first, you got a shameless plug for us this week? Uh, not really. I mean, yeah, no. The only thing I'm doing is, is watching a whole lot of Rick and Morty. Like, I'm, <laughs> there you go. That'll work. I'm like rewatching every episode from this <laughs> this season. It's freaking phenomenal. <laughs> like, if you're not watching, it's freaking phenomenal. That's that's it. <laughs> cool. All right, All right Rick and Morty. Try to get a shameless plug. Uh, sure. If you're Orlando based or anywhere in Central Florida. This Sunday at Will's Pub, uh, you should go check out BTM uh, Freshman University Orientation. It's a show put on by Big Tim, um, the comedian, and it's from one to three. So check that out. Yeah. All right, I got it now. As always, you can find me at EpicEventsOrlando.com for all your DJ service needs. Um, and I'm going to give you uh, another another literary plug. Uh, if you're you're out at your Barnes & Noble or wherever picking up your <laughs> you're picking up your, your copy slam. of slam <laughs> um and f- if you're into young adult fiction um check out my friend lauren gibaldi uh, we went to high school together she's now a published author through i believe it's harper youth like their harper publishing is young adult uh section and okay. she's got three novels out right now uh the first one's called the night we said yes uh, there's an accompanying short story, I believe, that goes with it called Matt's Story. And then, uh, yeah, that's a novella. And then she has her new one is uh, Autofocus. So check that out. Cool. Uh, as always, for me, uh, if you want to see some Roller Derby live and in action, uh, you can check out Orlando Roller Derby. You can find us on Facebook at Orlando Roller Derby. Uh, if you were there on Sunday, you'd have seen me and Shred skating with the Heatwave Hellcats. Uh, almost winning. Speed. Technically winning. <laughs> not really technically losing technically but. no definitely technically losing because the scoreboard was very technical um when's our next game our next game is september 16th yeah september 16th you can come check us out at uh Semron's gateway as always you can get tickets at brownpapertickets.com or from your favorite derby girl uh now you know three of them because i've brought two more derby girls on the show i think um, if i ever walked into Semron's gateway i would literally get punched in the face by nostalgia <laughs> or a derby girl. True. <laughs> now, Do you next, have one named uh, Nostalgia? The next game is actually... Oh, is it at Barnett? Yeah, it's at Barnett Park, there not we go. at Cimarron's Gateway. JK, oh. everyone, it is at mm-hmm. Barnett Park, which is a different facility that we also sometimes Screw use Cimarron. for games. Don't, well, no, we no. still have oh, stuff, don't say that. We still have stuff there. <laughs> there. There's still good people. Yes. Yeah. There, there are... Find people... Never... Nope. Nope. Uh, no, no, don't do <laughs> that. I actually, so I actually have a second uh, shameless plug. I oh, would be so proud of me. Uh, I'm also going to shamelessly plug uh, Kai Garcia at the Red Scarlet Salon in Thornton Park. Um, she just did Maher 
And if you want fancy purple hair like I got, go mm-hmm. see Kai because she'll hook it up. And she is a master with the scissors and the hair paints and things and stuff. So, yeah, go do that. Right on. All right. So I think that's going to do it for us. So uh, thanks for hanging out. Uh, we are going to be doing Ames on Thrones. Uh, if you stick around after the music. Uh, credits music, the credit music, uh, Al does a thing where he likes to give credit to everyone. And I don't remember what he says. So, Dan, do you know how the, to say thank you to the music that we have? And his name is Al Sterling. And I your believe producer the music's Dan. from RoboRob from uh, the End Radio Network. Thanks, thanks to RoboRob for the End Radio Network for our music and yeah. uh thanks to all the thanks other for stuff. eli for being our uh, yeah thanks to eli for doing producer. what he does thanks to dan for doing the sound stuff thank you to our guests for us and uh morgan aka shred bundy for joining us yes. and uh we will we will see you next time uh so this is liz saying they came to the conclusion that men are essential for procreation but when it comes to pleasure unnecessary everybody thanks for sticking around if you uh are listening to the recorded recording the podcast the podcast that's what we call that uh thanks for sticking around for amazon thrones if you're with us live uh we're super sorry about everything that's happening right now because <laughs> we're having some super technical difficulties uh <laughs> technical director eli's got a blue screen situation going on over here um my computer's getting windows ready I, w- I would blame this on al but he wouldn't know how to fix any of this <laughs> anyway, telling so. me not to turn off my computer so if you're watching live and you're trying to chat with us uh we can't read your comments we're, we're working on it we're working I on it people to do it on my um phone. but yeah welcome to aims on thrones um uh, forrest and morgan stuck around who were our guests for the um episode of for geek's sake um again if you're live you don't know that yet so this all gets very meta and confusing now that we live stream and record at the same time i think we could be having router issues eli Oh, that's super not our problem. He says we're cruising. Anyway, well, we'll figure it out. This is the beauty of live podcasting. Everyone, the magic of live podcasting. All right, so let's uh, let's get into it. Okay, so first of all, let's um, let's pick up where we left off last last week. Yeah. Um, because we played a little game of Who Gone Die Uh as part of the Suicide Squad. Um, Forrest and and Morgan, if you're unfamiliar with the. have you guys listened to Ames on Thrones yet? What's the word I'm looking for here? Format? Yeah, the format. Um, So we we always end the episode with our predictions of who's going to die next Mm -hmm. because it's Game of Thrones and everybody dies all the time. Yeah. Uh, So last week we kind of predicted, kind of all of us collectively predicted, obviously, uh, who we were referring to as the red shirts, um, which were the extra group of five guys that they brought along with them on this northern expedition. Obviously, they're all dead, so they don't matter. But uh, main characters wise, my prediction was uh, Tormund. And the Brotherhood, including the Hound, I think, is what... Yeah. I think at some point I really just said, I think they're all going to die. Yeah. <laughs> I just think we're just going to lose all of them beyond the wall, and then the series Everyone is over. Everyone but Jon Snow. Everyone but Jon Snow, and then that's it. Um, so, yeah. So, obviously, we uh, we proved well, ourselves I said wrong. That, I said that the Hound would die. Right. And that Thoros would bring him back like he's done with Dondarrion. And that he was going to basically like put all of his energy into him and turn him into like the Lady Stoneheart of the show. Yeah. So we didn't, uh, I was we didn't like, the Lady Stoneheart thing. I was like In half right because he pushed him out of the way of the, the polar bear, you know, and then the, he died because of the polar bear. So 
done, you know, Thoros saved the hound and died. It was very, uh, so I'm going to take half credit. It was very, uh, but lost, it's your show. I'm very lost esque. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. So let's roll into it. So, uh, so we're basically just going to do a beat by beat episode breakdown. Sure. Um, so we start off and, um, Dan, I see that you had written down on your notes. Um, why do we start off on the table the at Dragonstone? Yeah. The, the map, map at Dragonstone. Um, and I think I have an answer to your question. Yeah. Um, I think it's kind of signifying cause I feel like if you, if you notice like a lot of the pieces are turned over mm-hmm. and some things are falling down and it looks like it's kind of like in disarray. So yeah. I think it's foreshadowing to the fact that Danny is going to abandon her original plan of conquest and be a dragon, be a dragon. Mm. You're not a sheep. You're a dragon. All right. Dragon. So that's my yeah, theory. Yeah, that was pretty quick. And that's then... my theory on that. So that's, that's so we open up with the with panning over the uh, the war map at Dragonstone, and um, oh, we're getting podcastception. And uh, so we open with what we what we're calling the Suicide Squad. Oh. So we we see that we're we're picking up right where we left off when they've walked through the wall and they've walked into the north, and now we're watching them walk through the wilderness. Thank you, Eli. What you doing? Oh, look. Hey. Hey. Oh, <laughs> there we go. Who's Michael? Do we know who Michael is? Yes, because he said no, Al. One hundred percent improvement. Oh. oh, I hope Al is watching. I this. hope Al's and, watching and too. And if you're watching, Al, I I want to see some comments from you. Yeah, come on now, come on now. Um. So anyway, all right. So we're we're out. <laughs> pretend like we don't see this happening. <laughs> we're out in the in the north and um. You know, so we see we see them you know walking. I, you know what I really liked about this episode? What's that? It reminded me of season one, and the fact that yeah, yeah, from those episodes where we were on the King's Road, and there was those little conversations by different little pockets of the crew as we're all heading in one direction. Yeah, and like we open on this this conversation between Tormund, John, and uh, Gandry. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then we go to uh, Gandry and the Brotherhood, and then we go to John and Jora. You know, and each of these little conversations has a lot of meaning to it, too. Yeah. Because it's kind of like we're, what we've been missing from, like, the series thus far. Yeah, this season. Yeah. Is that we're actually finally seeing some traveling again. Some traveling and people just actually talking about stuff yeah. instead of just fighting. So like Character development. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. We, get, we get a lot of character development in one episode, which we haven't really gotten all season because we've been rushing through so much stuff. But, um... We'll save that for later. So, yeah. So we start off uh, with Tormund and the Hound talking, which I think is one of my um, my favorite mm-hmm. conversations of the whole. It's pretty money. Of the whole uh, episode. Um, and uh, Tormund and the Hound? Oh, no. I'm jumping ahead already. Yeah, you're, you're jumping ahead <laughs> I'm already. I'm jumping ahead already. I'm we sorry. Got, so we, we, start, we start off with... Yeah, Tormund, Tormund and, and Gendry. But first we start off with... Um, um, Tormund and John are no. are talking about no. First, it was Gandry because they were talking about how uh, he had never seen snow. Oh right, he's never. Yeah, this is his first trek. And Tormund's like, oh, the, the south, the south stinks. He's a southern child. Yeah. And John says, "You've never been south." He says, "I've been to Winterfell." <laughs> like, that's, that's the north. That's not the south. <laughs> um, yeah. And so then we, so then we kind of see uh, them giving Gendry some crap because he's still he's still mad at the Brotherhood for selling him off to Melisandre. Yeah, um, which is, is fair. Yeah, it's would, a legitimate no, complaint. Sure. I would be salty. Yeah, so, but I do think spicy. I do think that it's like a uh, it's a good you know kind of comparison of 
just the kind of what he's lived. I mean, he's, he's seen some stuff. He's lived yeah. through some stuff, but he obviously hasn't lived through the same amount or kind of uh, quality of stuff that, yeah. that you know, that. say, say yeah. Barrick has lived through, you know. And yeah, they keep hitting them with the, why you got to bring up old shit? I yeah. would <laughs> like to know how he learned how to use that <laughs> Warhammer so well. Yeah. Like, well, in fighting, not right. in making weapons. And we, t- and we talked about it a little bit is that, you know, there, it's not really explained how he learned how to fight with it, but it's an, a very obvious correlation between him and, and Robert. It's the most you know, obvious. His, his father used the Warhammer, so now, well, obviously, you just know how to use a Warhammer because your father... <laughs> it's inherited. Duh. What do you <laughs> think about an, this? It's an inherited skill. What do you think about this theory that he is Sans, or he is Cersei's son? Gendry? I don't... I don't no, he's yeah. no, I poo-pooed that. No, I poo-pooed that immediately. Uh, part of the whole... Well, I guess, I mean, he could be as long as he's Robert, right. but... Because it has to be the, you know... The reason why the kids just, were all blonde right. was because it was blonde on blonde action. Yeah. Well, we, I mean, I mean we, she, talked about, we talked about, we talked about that he died and instead gave him away. Well, we talked about the, the black haired child and, mm-hmm. you know, she said that he died. There's also a theory that there never was a black haired child to begin with, Sure, you know, and she was just trying to like lead Catelyn on by telling that story. Right. Just trying to. You know, to appeal to, to, to her sympathies, appeal to her sympathies first. And, and also, you know, to kind of like put that out there that yes, I did have a black haired child right. to throw off the scent of like, well, why are all your kids golden haired? Because of Westerosian genetics. Yeah. <laughs> and also incest. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we see, you know, we see them kind of rivaling, uh, Gendry a little bit. And then we, then we see, uh, Tormund and, and John talking and, um, they're kind of they're talking about Daenerys and they're talking mm-hmm. about the how John queen. yeah the dragon queen and how John's being stubborn and he won't bend the knee and Tormund kind of makes a comment about how like you spent too much time with the wild folk with the free folk you know mm-hmm. now you're you're allergic to bending or allergic to kneeling <laughs> or something he said something along the lines of that and um I'm, I'm gonna call I'm gonna go ahead I'm gonna say it now I'm gonna call this episode the episode of incredible quotes yeah because I feel like we got so many incredible quotes from this episode because they and, were finally talking yeah exactly exactly and uh you know and Tormund looks at John and he and he kind of says you know Mans Mans Raider was a proud man Mans Raider refused to bend the knee how many of his people died for his pride mm-hmm. you know and I think that that rings really really true with John um absolutely because he does care about his people and this has always been about his people and i think that's kind of the first time that he looks at it from that perspective of is my stubbornness actually going to get my people killed in the long run well i mean it's a callback to the call to his conversation with danny which was a callback to the original conversation with man so mm-hmm. I mean, when john was up north with man's originally he was like are you gonna let your pride kill everybody yeah and then here's danny are you gonna let your pride kill everybody yeah and, but here's Tormund. like okay we were that people that actually got killed right? <laughs> <laughs> if i could speak for the ones that actually died yeah. yeah when he says how many of his people he means how many of my people how many of my friends and family yeah but the thing that i don't understand that they're like all seeming to overlook and that Tyrion like should be pointing out is like a marriage would solve that problem right. Like, right i mean i understand that they're related but nobody knows that and it's like if they just had a political marriage It'd be King in the North and well, the think, Dragon Queen. I think Tyrion's trying to plant those seeds. Yeah. 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 He's been planting those seeds, and I think that uh, uh, so Davos slow? has been planting the seeds. <laughs> yeah, with his, fast, the with his fast as everything else is going. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, these marriages happen fast. People don't even have to meet. Right. You know? But uh, the other thing that we get in this episode, by the way, that we haven't really gotten in anything else except for the possibility of it coming with Cersei's so-called pregnancy, <laughs> is if... Cersei's pregnant. That puts a timetable on us. Yeah. And in this episode, Danny mentions that, or uh, Sansa mentions that John's been gone for weeks. 
She does mention That's that. That's true. So she now does. we have two points here now that they've actually put a little bit of a timetable on this season. Yeah. And this is the episode where everybody's screaming about timeline. Right. Which we'll get into that later because <sighs> there's been... So people have gone to great lengths to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and seriously. We'll, we'll talk about that. Um, so in this first scene, we also have a really, really kind of uh, pivotal moment between John and Jorah. So we know that John is carrying Longclaw, which was the sword that is part of the Mormon family, which was meant for uh, Jorah until he disgraced his family and he was exiled. And we see this really kind of tender moment where John tries to give him back his sword and, and Jorah is just, he's just too good of a man. And he says, no, like I, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to carry this. This it's, is John being dumb again. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, why do you think it's like a cursed sword? No, yeah. I'm just like, if you got Valyrian still, why are you trying oh, yeah. to give that away? Well, oh, against like, the, yeah. But somebody's got to give Jorah a sword at some point. Cause he's got those two little daggers and he's fighting walkers with them. I mean, and a Polar bear. He's pretty effective. You got Gendry, who's a a freaking blacksmith. Didn't you mind some dragon glass? What the (laughs) hell? Didn't know... Why didn't nobody have any any weapons? Well, you know, and this this is a yeah, this is a very good point, and I'm glad that you bring that up because on top of the fact that this is just a stupid, 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 incredibly out of character mission for them to be on in the first place, you were literally mining dragon glass for the purpose of making weapons to fight the night army. And then you went north to go fight the night army without, without any freaking dragon glass. You know what though? Uh, you could at least tie that shit to a spear or something. You know, it's pokey. Like, yeah. Exactly. Just will- break off some sharp edges. <laughs> I mean, the stuff that Sam used wasn't very like. Refined. Yeah, it was very no. primitive. It was very like. I so. will say I don't initial upon my first viewing of the episode last week. I thought it was dumb for them to go on this mission, but. After rewatching it, I was like, "You kind of got it." They really had to. Like, there's the, I mean, no other way. I think the point. <laughs> I think the point because a lot of people will argue that it is that it is a rush storyline for the sake of television and for the sake of rushing towards an ending that they know they need to get to. However, I do feel like they may have portrayed it poorly, but I feel like they were trying. I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. They were trying to portray the dire situation and they feel like they, I mean like the reason that these characters are acting so out of character is that what else can they do at this point they yeah. you know what I mean there is no more waiting there is no more strategizing like this army is on its way so yeah so there's so. that so we move on to uh Arya and Sansa mm-hmm. and this is just the tip of the frustrating iceberg oh boy so we're standing in the courtyard in uh in winterfell and Arya and sansa are standing up on the on the balcony and they're reminiscing about their dead dad and Arya tells this really well, sweet story yeah she's monologuing about dad <laughs> she just tells this really sweet story about how uh but the first time she ever shot an arrow mm-hmm. and i mean this is a throwback to season one you know this oh, is yeah. a direct throwback mm-hmm. to it to his a direct scene in season one um you know and she talks about shooting the arrow brand's bow and arrow that he left behind and she finally hit the bullseye and she hears a slow clap from thanks YouTube for making this way too complicated. Sorry, Brad. Uh, sorry, uh, everyone. And, and Sarah says that they all had dragon glass weapons that the daggers were dragon glass that Jorah was using. Oh. Ah, okay. That would explain some, some of that. It would, it would have been better to sense. have a spear against a bear. Yeah. Right. Well, and, 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 and I mean, this, I think this is the thing with the dragon glass too, is that it's effective against the white walkers, but the whites are, I mean, right. You know, yeah. they they just you kill them like normal zombies. They don't explode into shards of glass. Right. But, um, so Arya and Sansa are are talking about Ned, or Arya's talking about Ned, and um, you know, I think this is just kind of 
Arya monologuing for plot development. Um, you know, she's talking about how, how they've grown and they've changed and they've both kind of turned into the people that they always wanted to be. Um, Sansa's the lady of Winterfell and Arya wanted to be a knight. And, you know, she talks about how Ned saw her and gave her like a good old slow clap when she hit the bullseye. And, you know, again, for the, for the episode of great quotes, um, you know, she knew what she was doing was wrong, but it didn't feel wrong. And she says, you know, father knew that I was wrong, but I wasn't wrong. The rules were wrong. I was Mm -hmm. doing exactly what I was supposed to be doing. So, you know, we kind of see that development and how Arya has turned into like this sociopathic killer Mm -hmm. (laughs) and Sansa has turned into a pretty diplomatic, you know, strong leader of her family home. Um, Mm. And then Arya, yeah. No, I mean, c- come I, on. I don't think Arya is is sociopathic. <laughs> I think there is a that she's very focused. Yeah. I think that that she she, and I don't think that Sansa is fully developed. I think both of them have kind of they've got the raw materials. Yeah. To be great. But right now, the main issue is that neither one of them respects the skills that the other one has. Right. And they're both needed. Yeah. yeah. I think Sansa respects Arya's skills. I think she's afraid of her right now. Yeah. Well, because, I mean, you know, she left this sweet little girl. Well, I mean, she wasn't sweet, but this like kind of like annoying bratty little girl who was her little sister. And she, you know, finds this. She finds this just crazy, intense cryptic mm-hmm. you know like who is this girl and she you know we get to it later in the episode but she even alludes to like i don't even know my sister anymore but most importantly in this scene Arya confronts sansa about the scroll that yeah. sansa wrote incriminating you know quote unquote incriminating her um you know when she's pleading for her family to swear fealty to joffrey and this is what bothers me is again still i'll say it again like Arya needs to be smarter than this Arya needs to be smarter than this and like it, she can't she can't really believe i don't know i agree with the people saying she's snapped and that she's like turned into a straight up sociopath yeah seriously like i feel like it's well, just like it's almost to a point like cause they need they're gonna need to do something with Arya in the season finale to to bring her back to me because she's been my favorite character and i hate her in this episode here's I, the thing she brings it up later but even now before she mentions it she's playing the game of faces yeah she she's throwing accusations. She's throwing all this at, at Sansa, seeing the way that she reacts. As a faceless man, she's a walking lie detector. She can tell the minute that, that Sansa's lying. And she backs her into a corner, but she does it in a way because she's letting her anger influence her. Yeah. And she's getting Sansa basically to confess to the things that she wants Sansa to confess to, not the actual truth of the matter. Yeah, she's blinded and she's she's forcing people to, to confess to what she wants to hear. You know? I mean, during that initial scene, I, I just wanted to scream at Arya because it's, she had the answer right in front of her. When, when Sansa was like, yeah, they made me do it. I was only a kid. And that's the only way they told me that, I could, that we could save father. And Arya's like, so you were dumb enough to believe them? Yeah, fool. Well, I was dumb enough to believe well, them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was, I was she, actually dumb enough. Arya gets, Arya gets so angry and she gets so righteous about this whole thing. But I mean, she, we, we kind of see it. We kind of see her resort to anger and then even threatening her sister because she Arya knows she lost that argument. You know, she's like, oh, I was there by the statue of Baylor. And Sansa's like, and what did you try and do to save him? Well, first of all, Sansa, uh, Sansa's 
a few years older than Arya. Yeah. She was even younger and and had less power. She was pa- stuck in a crowd. Yeah. She wasn't trained like she is now. Well, I mean, but I think, but, no, it's not, I'm not saying that Sansa's telling Arya that she like, should have done something, but she's bringing up the point that like, right, hey, like, right neither one of us had a hand in this situation. Like, we were helpless. Right. I will say this. What the the two scenes together kind of showed me is a lot of people have been kind of alluding to based off of the way Sansa wore her hair and all of this and saying that she learned a lot from Cersei that Sansa is kind of in a sense turning into Cersei. Yeah. Right. It's actually Arya. Yeah, I feel like yeah, Arya's turning into Cersei. I mean, because Cersei has a list. Arya got a list. Right. Cersei is is all about retribution. Arya is all about retribution. Cersei is all about making grand moves with damn the long term. I'm just going to make grand moves to get revenge. Yeah. That's kind of what Arya is on right now. Yeah. So there's not necessarily a long term thought. It's just all about the like. But Arya doesn't care about power. Yeah, no. That's the only. Uh, that's Cersei's whole motivation is power. Yeah. and and protecting her family. Arya is about revenge. She's revenge. a revenge monster. She's looking for revenge. Yeah. she's just a revenge <laughs> awesome monster 16. at this point. Absolutely, <laughs> she's a person with like very little empathy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, you know, and I think that just like she 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 learned to not have emotion in the House of Black and White, and I think it's like we see that her training there. You know, she uh, she learned sure she, she learned because she couldn't let go of emotion. I think that was why she couldn't, uh, other, why she ultimately couldn't become a faceless man. Right? Yeah, that's the only thing separating her and Bran at this point. She couldn't. She if, couldn't if, let if go she of had her. gone all the way to becoming a full-on faceless man, yeah, then she would be Jaden Smith too. Then, then <laughs> yeah, she would be. <laughs> she, she would just be. She would be just as cold as him, yeah. but you know, more aggressive. Obviously. Yeah. So um again with the with the with the uh, amazing epic quotes um you know Sansa kind of calls Arya out and she's like you're acting on anger you're acting out of anger right now and you know anger makes people do foolish things and or unfortunate things and Arya snaps back and says sometimes fear makes people do unfortunate things I'll go with anger and it's like ooh girl <laughs> like all right um, I still really hope. I, I don't think at this point. Uh, I think somebody in the comments, uh, Sarah, uh, said that they're playing Littlefinger. I, no, Littlefinger's playing yeah. them right now like, like a, a fiddle. fiddle. Yeah. And I really hope that they figure this out soon and take him out. Well, the yeah. thing that drives me crazy is there so was a moment <laughs> where she totally had that opportunity. Like Sansa asked her, "Where did you get that? Exactly. Where did you get it?" And all she had to do was like, "Oh, Littlefinger's chambers." I got it from your boy. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, there you go. That's who's manipulating <laughs> this shit. And, you know, and this is this is same the- guy who had the dagger that was used to almost kill our brother. <gasps> this is, Maybe this he's been, a bad guy. This has been Al's biggest frustration with this season thus far is that like all of these problems could be solved if these people were just having fucking conversations with each other. Like if we were just talking about our feelings uh all of this would be fine i mean but it's but, like but this moment, <laughs> but this moment tells this t- th- this conversation does tell sansa why Arya is angry with her yeah you know yeah i mean she does i mean that's, that's the first conversation that's a little step in it the is. right direction but because still. at first it was just like why is this mad tension here because i mean we were little kids sibling rivalry i get it but yeah. why are we mad at each other now well, because I watched you do this. Yeah. I watched you take part in the execution of our dad. Well, That's why. I think it's that. And 
it's it's when you have look at I'm, I'm not sure if you're, if everybody has siblings. Normally, you kind of with your siblings go through this phase where you guys hate each other. Mm-hmm. But as time progresses, you kind of hit teenage years and you kind of have a chance <laughs> to bring it back together. They separated and never had a chance to bring it back together. So there's still that same <laughs> dynamic from when they were little kids. So yeah. I think if they just would have a conversation with Bran, they could get this all figured out mm-hmm. and yeah. be like, "Hey, Bran." This is what we're fighting about. Uh, this is the best right here. Um, Nick <laughs> says Dr. Brent Hatton is too busy being a creepy time voyeur to tell his sisters what is up. There's exactly. so many problems Brand could solve right, right now because if he, he knows just said the important things. Uh, but I think he's got like information overload. <laughs> you know, it's like he's got like too much in there to like filter out what's important. To be like, yo, uh, John is. Uh, that he's he's a Targaryen. He's not a uh, Your sister, like your sisters, get along. It's all o- like your sisters get along. It's all okay. <laughs> like you both had bad shit happen to you. Like, yeah, and the, like, the hey, unfortunate she was thing, blinded. She was raped. You a guys, lot. Like, so, become friends. So cool. Sarah brings up uh, that we need some creepy time with Bran, and unfortunately, during this episode, we don't get any. It's, it's a segment that we have called creepy time with Bran because every time <laughs> Bran's on the screen, shit gets real creepy. We didn't have that, and we didn't have any Lannister, like, well, besides Tyrion, but we didn't have yeah, any. Yeah, no, there were no Lannisters in this episode. Really, like I said, there was really, we're really just jumping back and forth between three separate things here. Yeah, I mean, And really, not even that. It's just, we're doing, we're going back and forth between Winterfell and the North yeah. in this episode. Yeah. I mean, it's called Beyond the Wall. Yeah. So, all right, so back to the Suicide Squad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're back in the North. Um <laughs> We had this so great. Now, this is the Tormund so here, and the yeah, Hound. So here we have this great exchange between Tormund and the Hound, and uh, and um, the Hound calls Tormund a ginger. He asks the Tormund asks him if he hates wildlings because the Hound's just being the Hound, and Tormund's being all like, "Hey, buddy, let's have a right. chat and be friends." And uh, you know, Hound's like, "Oh, fuck off." <laughs> and Tormund asks him if he hates wildlings, and he's like, "No, I hate gingers." <laughs> and I thought it was interesting because I didn't think that ginger was a word that was used in old timey times. But apparently it is. Yeah, right. I mean, so <laughs> well, I, I, it makes sense. Yeah, that like uh, the hound doesn't like fires. Yeah, so it uh-huh. would posit that he wouldn't like fire crotches. Right. <laughs> right. So, They're kissed okay. by fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that is, I mean, I think that does allude. You know, he says, he, "I don't like gingers," and and you know, Tormund says, "Well, we're kissed by fire, but so were you." And it's like, burn, Ooh, sick burn, <laughs> literally and figuratively. Dick um, move, Tormund. <laughs> But, uh, you know, and then they start talking about... says, uh, what, do you want to suck my dick? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently the word dick didn't make it past the wall. Yeah, which is really funny because we kind of, we have, we see this little exchange where uh, the hound has to teach Tormund what the word dick means. And, and then he says it. dick, very, I like oh, it. Oh, dick, I like it. Uh, which is very cute. And, uh, you know, so then they start talking about how he's got a woman waiting for him back in Winterfell. And I squealed with joy during this scene because it was just so great. Because um, he's lying. He's lying to people about his girlfriend back in Winterfell. Right. He's well, like, no, he's no. like super disillusioned. Well, he no, said because, we're not together. Yeah. I'm not with her, but imagine the well, babies we've had. Well, I love it. Well, I love it so much because he starts describing her and she's, you know, he's like yellow hair, blue eyes, you know, incredibly tall. And the hound turns around and he's like, Brienne of Tarth. You're with Brienne of Tarth. And Tormund's like, you know her? And you see, it's all like giddy. Like, oh, you know her? And he's like, yeah, I can't believe you're with Brienne of Tarth. He's like, well, I'm not, I'm not with her. But you should see the way she looks at me. And what does the hound say? Like, oh, like she wants wants to carve your heart, your liver out. So you do know her. (laughs) And it's just. That's all me. (laughs) Right? Like, and it's just, it's so adorable because Tormund's got like this little schoolgirl crush on this beastly woman. So great. 
Um, you know, so, so that's kind of like a fun little side conversation, but again, it's more character development and I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but then we go and, and we see, uh, Barrick and, and John are having a more broody conversation before. <laughs> um, so Barrick has a little, a little throwaway line here where he calls John out and he says he doesn't look like his father, mm-hmm. um, alluding, dun, dun, dun. alluding to Ned Stark. So at this point, like we get it guys, you're dropping all the hints, like, but That's, he doesn't look like his father either. He doesn't look like his father either. Now, and so here's my question. So Beric is, you know, obviously a servant of the Lord of Light. So does he know things? You know what I mean? Uh-huh. He's been, he's, he's seen the other side. He's died and he's, um, coming, you know, he's come back. Yeah. That's a revolving door for him. Yeah. So is, does he, does he know things? Does he see things? We don't know. Well, we don't we think don't know. We, we don't seem to have any new information from John about the other side. Right. Well, I mean, but this could, this could go either way and he says you must favor your mother, which could we could take it as Beric literally thinks that he is not he doesn't look like Ned Stark and he maybe looks more like his mother or well, yeah, he, we could take it as he doesn't look like Rhaegar Targaryen well, no, and he, he looks says, like a Stark. He said he you knew like my Liana. father and he said yeah, your father sent me off to to hunt for the mountain. So he is talking about Ned. He's talking about Ned. Didn't he also say he was shorter too? Didn't he make a short comment? Did he make a short joke? No, I know that, that was last week. Gendry okay. made a, Gendry yeah. made a so short. Many short comments. And yeah. then there was one this this week. I think this we're setting up a three beat for next week. <laughs> I think we are. Oh, Nick with the quips right now. He would be able to see. Yeah, talking about Barrick being able to see things. He would be able to see things, but he has very poor peripheral vision now because he's only got one eye. Um, so yeah. So you know they're talking about. Um, why they're fighting the night king why you know why they're both serving the lord of light per se and um you John know Bar- says i serve the north i serve the north winter is coming <laughs> <laughs> we get it we get it john um you know and so he starts talking about you know death is the enemy death is the enemy you know we've got to we've got to fight the enemy death is the first enemy and the last and john's like but we're all going to die like very nihilistic, you know, on this week with nihilism with Jon Snow, we're all going to die one day. And, uh, you know, Beric's like, Oh yeah, well the enemy always wins, but we've got to fight anyway. I don't know. I'm the shield that protects the realm, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, and then we kind of stop this scene with the hound seeing the mountain that looks like an arrow. It's a triangular shaped mountain, as many are. Yeah. Um, so he sees that, and then, you know, we kind of know, like, okay, we're getting close to what, you know, the vision that he saw in the fire, which was the army marching past that mountain. So, um, Nick says, Bear reminds me of Obi Wan Kenobi. <laughs> I agree. And I think he's got the coolest voice on the show. You think so? He's got the most badass voice. Yeah. I, I, I'm, uh, I would like to hear him read me Game of Thrones. <laughs> I think Littlefinger has the weirdest voice. Right? I, yeah. I don't And under- I can't tell if he's like putting it on yeah. or like... What is that? Just, you can't be a good guy with that voice. Right. right? Like, and also is it like Stereotypical an bad guy. Like what is his yeah, voice? Stereotypical bad guy voice. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, Eli. Eli. Yep. We Fix lost. the thing. We, the, the thing. The thing did the thing. Oh, he has to touch the thing. There we go. Anyway, more technical difficulties, guys. Sorry about that. We're good. Um, So, yeah. So, we go back to Dragonstone, and we see Danny and Tyrion, and we see... This is the best conversation. Well, we see Tyrion finally getting stern with Danny. Yeah. You know, we we see him finally giving her kind of like some stern advice, and... Well, but before that, we actually see them talking like as friends. Yeah. Yeah. When she says, you know why I like you? Because you're not a hero. Right. And he's like, what? 
I was a hero. <laughs> I was like, the just, remember the time I got my entire face cut off? Okay. Um, and then, you know, and then she just knocked on his ass each time. Right. But he was good on strategy. Yeah. Right? Not so much on implementation. <laughs> and then she starts listing off all of the the heroes that all she's the, known. Yeah, the quote unquote heroes. And she's basically listing off all of her douchebag ex-boyfriends. All the dudes she's known. And then she mentions yeah. Jon Snow. <laughs> and then she mentions Jon Snow. And, and, and you, you go, gee. <laughs> Squee. <laughs> oh, and, they're related. Oh, aunt and nephew. <laughs> which he points They're out related but i want it to happen so bad because the show has broken me and he points out you know he's totally got a crush on you and she's like no <laughs> no no he doesn't stop it stop. do you think he really does <laughs> he's short well, yeah he's yeah, yeah the short me. comment which you're, you're saying to Tyrion. I know. Was, was he, like, and he looks hurt by that. Yeah, yeah right? He's like, yeah. for real? <laughs> like, come on, bro. She's like, no offense. He's like, he makes me look tall. <laughs> but then he, he says, yeah, you know, as heroes go, he is pretty short. So we had last week the short comment, this week the short comment that's coming into play next week. Just yeah. saying. There's going to be another short thing. Jon Snow. Is Jon Snow going to like grow six inches overnight? Or no, he's, he's just going to bend down in front of her and she's going to like, that's the right height. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it worked for Missandei. <laughs> It, it, it also worked for Egret. Yeah, I was going to say, it worked for you. The last time we saw Jon Snow bend the knee in a cave, we know what happened. Um, so, yeah, but no, so, you know, they start talking about um, the way that she's going to lead, the way that she's going to take over. We talk about the wheel, you know, there's all this, you know, building the wheel and breaking the wheel. And, um, you know, we talk about Aegon and how, you know, Tyrion says, you know, Aegon built the wheel, you know, you need to break the wheel right. and make sure that it stays broken. And so we get into this conversation where he's kind of like, and it, you know, and it's very important. He's like, Hey, you say that you can't have kids. So sure you can rule and you can change the world into the world that we want it to be. But then what happens when you die? Right. Because some other crazy leader could just come in after you and make it suck again mm-hmm. and Danny just super does not want to have this Why conversation talking about me dying I yeah mean, mm-hmm. I'm kind of with Danny on this mm-hmm. because it's like Tyrion has been pushing these future plans and shit and we fucking lose it like let, let's get some let's put some W's on the board first yeah <laughs> then we can talk about contingency plans but yeah. let's, let's do that part of me just felt like it was Tyrion be like he, me me? Yeah, right. Like I'm the if hand. you die, is it me? I'm the hand. Do you want me to like be the king or whatever? So, you know, and she's very stern about like, let me get the crown first and then we'll freaking talk about this. Mm-hmm. Um so scene five is very we don't really need to spend a lot of time on this. Uh, we're back in the north. There's an undead bear. Um All right. Holy polar bear white. Holy polar bear white. Uh, so we see the undead bear. Uh Thoros gets chewed on and two flaming swords. Two flaming swords. Um, Beric and Thoris both have flaming swords. Uh, we lose a couple of the red shirts, which is predictable. Uh, expendable one and two are dead. And we see Thoris get all chewed up and he doesn't die. Uh, and we cauterize him with a flaming sword. So that looks gross and hella painful. Uh, and yeah, there's really not much to be said about that scene. So let's move on from there. Well, we do, we do kind of see, um, so the hound could have saved him probably, but the, we set the bear on fire. And so we, we kind of see the hound scribbling fear of fire, um, play into, well, uh, spoilers for five minutes from now. Um, we do see Thor- Thoros die later on, <gasps> what? but that's part of putting a timeline on this episode. I yeah. Think. Otherwise, why do we cauterize his wound and drag him along and just to kill him off? Right for no reason right but so i think that's another thing where they are trying to show some passage of time yeah they're trying 
they're not doing a great job, but they're trying. So we'll give yeah. them A for effort, D for execution. Um, Nick so, says we knew they weren't important because they were wearing hoods the whole time. We knew they weren't important because we had no idea who they were. Yeah, exactly. We've never it's, seen it's, them before. Yeah, they had the, no names. It's the red shirts theory. It's, you know, they're, yeah, they're just, they're expendable. One, I'll two, three, four, on and five. OA mission. When the first one got attacked, I was like, who is that? Exactly. Um, me and me and Sarah were actually watching together, and like every time somebody died, we were like, "Was that anyone important, or was it just was it just an expendable character?" They didn't show their face, so it must have not been somebody important. Richard. Um, so anyway, okay, so so we get the ended bear, and we move on. Um, but there, I have a theory, and we're gonna we're gonna get into that later oh. when we get into theories because we do a whole section of theories at the end of this. Uh, so we go to Sansa and Littlefinger chewing on the scenery. Nom 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 nom. How does she not realize that he's the worst? I don't know like you think that she i mean she does he's practically twirling his mustache while he's speaking to her she knows that he's the worst but i know that like i think she knows that she can manipulate him like how she won the battle of the bastards by getting him up there with the veil veil, like we're dealing with your sister though i think it's it's that fear like sansa's ultimate thing yeah brad we do theories at the end of the show do you even listen, bro? <laughs> I think uh, I think she's she's motivated. Sansa is motivated by safety. Like yeah. where Cer- Cersei is motivated by power, Sansa is motivated by safety. Right. She's had so much fucked up shit happen to her that she just wants to be safe. Yeah. And at this point, Arya is not making her feel very safe. Right. So she's running to the only person that she knows that can possibly provide a lifeline for her because who well, is a lifeline Brienne. for her? Well, she, Brienne can yeah. <laughs> no, protect no, no. her. Ooh. But her lifeline during the Battle of the Bastards wasn't yeah. Brienne. Yeah. It was... There was the veil. It yeah. was Littlefinger and the veil. So. Yeah, so it's, I mean, basically like Arya's... Or no, Arya, Sansa, Sansa's in, in, a, in an abusive relationship with Littlefinger in a sense where she's like, yeah, he's not great for me, but he's always there for oh, me. Oh, he's <laughs> R. Kelly-ing the shit out of her. <laughs> <laughs> He's got her locked in the closet. <laughs> Come out of like the closet. <laughs> I can't let him go because he did one nice thing for me. Exactly. Remember that one time that he made me pancakes and even though they were burnt on one side, it was still the gesture that counted. Okay, That now, totally makes up for the time I've, he sold me into a marriage <laughs> with a man who raped me endlessly. <laughs> I've watched this three times and I cannot understand if Littlefinger is trying to say, you better keep Brienne around or you better get rid of Brienne. I think he's saying you better keep Brienne around because I think that he thinks that Brienne is also going to be a pawn in this wedge that he's trying to drive between his sisters. I think that's him very obviously trying to get Brienne to kill Arya or Sansa. Depend, you know, he basically says, you know, like if one would do harm to the other. Right. I think he definitely prefers Arya to be dead. Yeah. Because yeah. she's scurry. Yeah. Damn, Arya, you scurry. <laughs> Um, Nick just broke the um, podcast. So, um, you know, so we're talking about, um, you know, Sansa's obviously afraid of what's going to happen um, uh, with, you know, the the Northern Lords are very fickle. Sorry, guys, we're getting with the, 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 the life commenting is going a little off the rails right now. Um, so we apologize for our giggles. Um so yeah, so so Sansa's obviously afraid for for 
who's loyal to her and what you know she she's which i find very interesting in this scene as well is because she's talking to Littlefinger directly about the scroll and she's like and she's calling out the northern lords well no and no she said directly to him but focusing focusing directly on the scroll and this is what kills me and and this is (laughs) hey andrew (laughs) um Oh, I always feel like I feel like I'm getting scolded by my dad when when Andrew comes in and says that everything's going off the rails because I know he knows what good podcasts sound like. <laughs> um, so he, he, this was really I thought this was really important because Sansa calls out the scroll and Littlefinger looks at her and he's like, "Well, where do you think it came from?" And it's just it just kind of shows like how manipulative he is and how oh, good yeah. he is at being a liar is because he's like scroll what scroll <laughs> I don't know anything about scroll what about the scroll <laughs> and you know and she's just totally confiding in him about the thing that he set up to get her in trouble in the first place every time he's around Sansa gets stupid yeah I really feel like she, she's so smart she's a great leader when she's around everybody else but when it's just the two of them. It's like she's a 12-year-old girl again, and he's just pulling her strings. Yeah. I mean, he's groomed her. Yeah. Like, in, Absolutely. in the most, like, nefarious sense. Well, groomed. I mean, yeah. and she, I mean, think about it. She's been groomed kind of like her entire adult life, yeah. life you know, since she left Winterfell the first time. But Even before that, she was She's just been manipulated by Raised yeah. to be a lady. Yeah. So, poor, poor Sansa. She doesn't really have a lot of resolve. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But I really think that he's trying to set that up to drive a wedge and use Brienne to... Um, to uh, cause harm to the sisters, and we'll get into that later. Yeah. Um, so we're back in the north again. There's yep. a theme here, guys. Spend a lot of time. I mean, it is called Beyond the Wall. It is. Um, so this is the point where we see them creeping up on the Arrowhead Mountain, um, and they see a small group of whites led by one White Walker. And you know, Tormund's like, "Where's the or no, John? Is it John that asks where's the rest of them?" Yeah, and, and Ambrose. Akbar came through and said, it's a trap. It's a trap. trap. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, so it's like, they're basically like, well, if we wait to find out, it's going to be too late. Like, this is it. Like strike while the iron's hot. So we see them. And it's uh, basically like a couple dozen. Yeah. It's a handful. It's a handful of whites and and one one white walker. walker. Yeah. And manageable amount. Yeah. So they go down, we see them start fighting and John just goes balls to the wall and goes right for the white walker with his Valerian seal sword sword. We see him shatter the white walker and then uh, uh, all of our theories were confirmed when majority of the whites, all but for the convenient sake of television, all but one fall down. How convenient. Yeah. I, that was that was bad. Like they, could, they could have made like at least three keep standing. And then they're they like, hey, killed. guys, just just hang a lampshade on this. It's fine. Yeah, right. <laughs> don't, don't even worry about it. Don't even worry about this. It's one. cool. It's cool. It's cool. No, they, no, they all died. No, no, they all died. One just happened to wander by a minute later. <laughs> Snarling. Um, you know, so we see them all fall, and so that kind of like solidifies the theory that whoever created the whites, if you destroy the maker, then you destroy them all because they're being controlled by one white walker. Um, so we see the 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 one white that you know just so serendipitously is the only one that wasn't created by this white walker that he's following. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, they capture it, and then so we see it kind of. I mean, do we think this was this was meant to like be it calling out to the rest of the army, or do we think that yeah. it was just yeah. screaming. oh it was screaming for help? Yeah, so you know it's it's making noise, and as soon as they pin it down to the ground, it makes horrible noise and you know it's definitely like kind of calling out to its brethren and so they say run gandry run yeah (laughs) run forest that's actually when they were like five five (laughs) oh yeah Yeah, so and leave the hammer 
Yeah, leave that hammer. (laughs) But we're not going to give it to Jorah, the guy without a sword. Right. Did Gendry used to run like the 5,000 or the 10,000 or something? (laughs) I guess, man. He was chopping. He's a triathlete. (laughs) You know? Yeah, he does Iron Man. (laughs) Well, I mean. We know he rows. Yeah, he's a rower. He's he's on the the local crew team. uh, So he, you know, he's got that really good. I actually put ru- rowing and, and running. He must have been a great high school athlete. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, this really, this show was all about athleticism, and uh, we did see a little bit of the uh, the Olympics beyond the walls. So, right. Uh, Gendry takes the gold medal for distance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we see them send Gendry to run because we see, you know, like we see the the ominous frost cloud coming, mm-hmm. and we hear the rumbling, and so we know that, like, the entire... <laughs> <laughs> These comments are killing me tonight. <laughs> From that winter forward, he was running. <laughs> <laughs> From that winter forward, he was running. Oh, man. This, oh, the Forrest Gump is killing me. Uh, um, so anyway, so, you know, so we see that the army, is, the entire army is coming towards them and everyone kind of knows that they're screwed. Um, so they send Gendry to run back to Eastwatch to, uh, to send a raven to, to Daenerys. Which I'm assuming that the Ravens have been upgraded to like a T5 connection. Yeah, okay. Obviously. <laughs> we're we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. Wi Fi is like great. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, and this is what kills me is that, I mean, like, obviously, like, okay, we know the gravity of the war and, you know, but Gendry leaves and he is, like, you know, he can't, like, text them and be like, hey, you guys still all right? Like, should I send the raven or not? Nah? You know, so he's just got to go on blind faith that, like, he could he could be sending this raven to send to Danny to send the dragons north of the wall to go find a bunch of dead dudes. Yeah. Well, you know. And I guess, I mean, like, like you have nothing else to lose because well, see, this is we're all going to die anyway. But neutrality. Apparently, like, Danny has, like, preferred bandwidth with the raven network. Yeah. And... Boom! <laughs> that's, what, that's what happens when you end that neutrality. She's got. She's got. <laughs> they really. They just. They just hop on that jet current. They. They got good tailwinds. Right. Yep. I love. I love the net neutrality plug. <laughs> Earlier this season, we talked about the uh, dragon glass candles. Yeah. And the books are mentioned as like um, something that can be used as a communicator over long distances. Yeah. They should have introduced that to this right. show. It would have made so much more sense, and it would have made, made all of us so much less now. angry. For th- they actually totally should have brought ravens with them. They did in like the initial expeditions with the. Yeah. Uh, they they did take like a guy who had like a cart full of crows, right? Uh, and, and and again, I feel like this is just you know well, the wildlings is, have been run, running Eastwatch, so yeah, things are not exactly up to code. They probably ate the ravens. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So there's one left. So yeah. So we see, you know, uh, Gendry runs, and then the Suicide Squad gets surrounded, and they get stranded in, you know, the middle of this frozen lake. They start running on it. We see it start to crack, and they freak out, and they're like, "Well, you know, what are we going to do? But run further into the lake that's cracking?" Well, there was an island. I think it was a river with a little island kind of thing in the middle. I think it's yeah. I th- yeah. No, I think it was. I mean, I, it was a lake. I think it's a, it's a lake with a little island in the middle. Some body of it water. It's I mean, not important. It's a yeah, it's a body of water. Um, obviously, we, obviously we know. Up. Obviously, we know that on the shore it's two inches, and th- and you know you take three steps, and then it's seventy thousand feet it's deep. It's deep right. enough to hold a dragon. <laughs> yes. So, uh, spoilers for ten minutes from now. Um, so we see them get surrounded, and. Um, we so we're kind of flipping back and forth watching Gendry run and watching what happens while they're you know the whites 
start falling into the body of water. And so they kind of know that they can't move forward. So they're surrounded and we're, we're at, we're at a standoff at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, we see Gendry get back to Eastwatch. Um, we know that they send the Raven and then we just kind of see them stranded and hanging out and watching everything happen. <laughs> this is, I wanted to bring this up cause I found it very interesting. So we have the one white that they've got captured and it's got the bag on its head and it's tied up. And the hound walks up to it and kicks it. And when he kicks that white, the rest of the whites react. Oh yeah. You know? So it's like, we know that they're all connected, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's another, another hint toward being controlled by the white walkers and the night King. So I was really tired when I was writing my notes. I wrote heroes surrounded Gandry running, it's dark to show time has passed. Gandry (laughs) makes it to East Watch. Like we use lighting. Send a Raven. It's light out to show that time has passed. <laughs> it's light out to show, yeah, exactly. Thoros is dead to show that time has passed. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we're not at, we're not, oh yeah, no, Thoros is dead. Yeah, so this is a very long scene. So, you know, um, we do, we do, we do kind of see the switch between day and night and Thoros, you know, freezes to death, essentially. Here's what annoyed me with the Thoros dying scene. Um, besides the fact that other than showing us passage of time, why didn't he just die 15 minutes ago? Mm-hmm. Um, Tormund is saying, only if the Lord of Light will send us some fire, we could burn him. Did you not see the dude the with flaming the flaming sword? Was like, it, I mean, I was, think it that happened was, like five times That now. was like the point. Was Tormund like, like, being sarcastic? Yo, dude, use your sword. Cause yeah, you're like, I think, that was, I, he looked that genuinely was, surprised when it lit up. He was like, oh shit, I forgot about that. I think it's just because it's fire next to him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fire. Uh, yeah, that's cool. That's what you southerners cook with, right? <laughs> I know, but here, here we see also... Um, you know, Thoris is dead. We burn him. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Jorah and John are talking about how like, we're all going to freeze to death. And Jorah is the one that points out how like, Hey, you killed the white Walker and like all of the whites fell down. Did you right. see that? Did you see that? Because that's kind of important. And, uh, you know, Danny or, uh, John, um, is, you know, stuck on this, like Daenerys Targaryen's our only hope. Daenerys is coming. Mm-hmm. And Beric's like, uh, we could just go kill the night King though. Even though, like, before they left, they were like, well, you're our only hope, and if we don't hear from you, sorry. Yeah. Like, they basically said, this is a suicide mission. Yeah. We're not coming to help you. Right. <laughs> and then they come to help. And then they go to help. So, uh, so yeah. So, Beric wants to kill the Night King, and then we move on from there. Um, so, we're back at Winterfell, and uh, this is very interesting, because Sansa receives a raven, and it's an invitation from her old pal Cersei. Yeah. Um, Good old mom-in-law. Which I don't understand. Good old mom-in-law. Which I don't understand. I, I feel like they don't... I They don't explain why Cersei is inviting Sansa to King's Landing. To kill her. Like, yeah. obviously, right? But I feel like that's too obvious. It's like or, it's the, the letter might have said... Yo, come get killed. Well, she just <laughs> hey, got yo, an, bitch, come get stabbed. You busy? No, no, no. <laughs> she just got an invitation. Why? Oh, WYD. She just got an invitation from uh, Daenerys and John saying we have to meet and talk about these white walkers up north. Yeah. So she's inviting Sansa because that's his little sister. Yeah. And she knows that she can use that as uh, leverage against him. Right. And so here's where we see her send Brienne in her place. And so this brings me back to, I think Sansa is sending Brienne away because she's afraid that Littlefinger is going to use Brienne to harm Arya and as scared as Sansa is of Arya. I think Sansa is 
not that stupid. And I think she's, she has to have caught on to the point. And she's mentioned even before in past seasons that she does not 100% trust Littlefinger. Right. You know? And so I said, th- so I took this very much as her sending Brienne away because of Littlefinger's comment about, well, wouldn't you think that Brienne would be sworn to protect the daughters if one tried to harm the other? W- I think she's trying to save her sister from, from Brienne. I think that's a bit too noble. I, th- I think it's more of a, of a, I ain't going back. <laughs> I ain't going back. Yeah. <laughs> I did my nickel. I think there's also, like, is she aware of Jamie and Brienne's relationship? Yeah. She, yeah. So she, it's she like, I mean, there's also that. She of says, like, you know, you, you, said, know, that, you said that Sir Jamie yeah. was, you know, was noble to you or whatever. I think it's a bit of trying to leverage those relationships, being like, I don't want to get killed. You go see if you can fix it and don't get killed, maybe. But also, I don't really care if you get killed because... Did, did, anybody sorry. Notice, did anybody notice what she was doing, though, the whole time that she was talking to Brienne? She was burning stuff, She was right? burning she was documents. Burning, yeah, she's burning. I have work to do here, and she's burning <laughs> stuff in the fire. Yeah, because there's more shit that she doesn't want uh, Arya finding out. Yeah. There's other shit that she knows that this could be interpreted wrong. Right. I'm getting rid of it. Yeah. Well, she's been playing the politics game, well, and Arya doesn't understand it. Back in the days when you could actually truly delete your browser history. <laughs> um... So yeah, so that's so that's that. Um again, quick scenes this time. Um so scene nine we see uh again, uh so five minutes have passed, which we're supposed to interpret as maybe like five days. Um so Danny we'll Danny is leaving for the north. Like she's getting on the dragon and Tyrion is following her and he's pleading with her. And first of all, can we just point out uh this woman's badass winter wear? Yeah. Because gorgeous. that coat is incredible. And it what kind of reminds me of the Night's King. What kind of crazy animals did you kill to make that coat? Because right. it's beautiful and they're probably endangered. That so, share wasn't an Ikea rug. Maybe don't do that. <laughs> that was no, that was not an, an Ikea rug. That was straight up zebra and maybe some cheetah. Um, I wrote Tyrion, so, don't go. Darian, Daenerys, I'm going. I'm going. Tyrion. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I'm not doing nothing again. Um, yeah. So Tyrion's basically like, please don't do this. Uh, if you die, we're all lost. Which he, I mean, he kind of has a good point. If Daenerys dies, then what happens? Remember we didn't talk about secession? <laughs> Remember that one time? <laughs> so, you, so you said I could be king, right? <laughs> I'm going to die. I'm going to take that as a yes. <laughs> I don't want Cersei to kill me after you're dead. Can I have a dragon? Uh-oh. <laughs> The comment section is getting political. Uh, let's Stop just it. ignore we it. We didn't do it, Al. It. We didn't do it. Just Everyone, keep it. that shit out of the <laughs> out of the comments. We, at for geeks' sake, do not support any of this nonsense that's happening right now. Um, so the we go back to the north again. Here it's we again. We are quit throwing shit. Stop throwing shit, you idiot. Uh, so we see, you know, again, it was funny the first time when he knocks the jaw off, the right? Guy. Like we're, we're, we're hanging around showing that time is passing. Yeah. Um, he picks up a rock because obviously we're bored and we want to throw rocks at things. He throws a rock at one of the whites and it knocks its bottom jaw off and he calls it a cunt. And it's very <laughs> funny because it's very the hound. Yeah. And then we see him throw another rock and then we see the rock stay on the frozen <laughs> water. Great. I literally wrote, stop throwing shit. Now we're all screwed. Good job, guy. <laughs> um, I even have here in my notes, um, the hound throws a rock at the whites, shows in the lake is frozen um, in parentheses. Idiot. <laughs> uh, so the suicide squad gets swarmed. Yeah. Uh, and so we see them start fighting what looks like a hopeless battle. Um, especially for Tormund. We, especially like, for Tormund. He's going we, down. We lose the rest of the red shirts. Um, 
And then we have this moment, which was freaking horrible for me, even though I predicted his death. I really thought that I was watching Tormund Giants Bay die Mm -hmm. and I couldn't handle any of it. And I was literally crying when this was happening. Um, And then we see the hound save him. Which is kind of funny because he kind of yeah. like saved the guy that's kissed by fire. Um, so, whew, that was close. Uh, and there's a theme here of like almost dying. There's a lot of almost oh, dying yeah. that happens yeah, in this yeah. episode. Um, so we see, you know, it's kind of this long drawn out, the sad, hopeless music starts playing and they're surrounded by the whites and we start seeing things. I in wrote, slow- all is lost. All is lost. We start <laughs> thing, thing, seeing things in slow motion. Um, you know, and then, you know, oh, look, just at the right time, here come the dragons, and this is all great, and why don't they just go set the Night King on fire immediately? There are three dragons. I get that she's trying to kill everyone around them to save her friends, but you can do that with one dragon, and then the other two can go blast that mofo. I don't think she has that much familiarity with what's going on here. This is very true. put it in the note. He didn't. Oh, he was like, cool. well, because he literally gets to Eastwatch, and he's like, do you go- Raven, Danny, dragons. The way that she's seeing it. There's the the generals up here. Yeah. And there's a bunch of... There's like thousands of them about to kill my friends. Yeah. I got to get to my friends and save them before I worry about these guys. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's continuing the tradition of the show with nobody knowing how to fucking zigzag. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody's throwing shit at you. Well, Dracarys figures it out by the end. (laughs) Yeah. Wait, who? Dracarys. Drogon? Drogon. I was like, Dracarys is the commander. Uh, That's the fire command. Um, Forgive me, please. Sorry, Dan's old. <laughs> um, so yeah, so um, she shows up and she starts blasting everybody, and then you know we see this really dramatic. Um, the Night King grabs his javelin and slowly walks forward, and we enter the uh, second event in the Beyond the Wall Olympics. <laughs> Did you see the actual uh, U.S. Olympic team I, tweeted about it? No. They tweeted a picture of him throwing the javelin. It said, oh. anybody have this guy's contact info? <laughs> We'd love to get him to throw javelin in the Olympics. Um, you know, so we see, so we see him take out one of the dragons and, um, I'm going to tell you that I, I take these episode breakdowns very seriously. And so to do a true in-depth episode breakdown, I watched the episode at least three times before we record mm-hmm. and I sobbed like a baby every single time I watched this fucking scene because it was terrible. Well, and because we first see the impact and the the fire, yeah, that breaks out, and then is it fire or blood? Well, I think I think what we fire. see, I think what we see is that he's breathing right. fire when he's hit, yeah. and so that's just kind of it like, just explodes out of it. Yeah, exactly. It's like coming up in his throat, and we see that his throat is punctured, and so he kind of like explodes in fire, and then we just the blood and the falling mm-hmm. and the horrible screaming and the other dragons screaming. Yeah, you know, we kind of see the emotional reaction of its brothers. We see that connection, you know, and. And, and and we and we kind of don't see a reaction from Danny. I think she looks shocked. Yeah, like it's very much like in shock. Like she like, she never believed that that could happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because I mean, they got hit with the scorpion and right, yeah, it, was a, it was a well wound, but nothing major. So she she did not think that there was anything that could actually kill her dragon. Yeah, especially in one shot like that with yeah. being thrown by an arm, not like right. a machine. Yeah, exactly. Um, so obviously the whole scorpion s- plot line was a huge red herring. Yeah. Um. So, so well, maybe not completely. Goes, right. So there goes Osarian. Yeah. Uh, now that one I got right. Now, did you did you know <laughs> immediately without looking it up that it was Viserion? Because I had issue with the fact that I feel like it was not clearly defined that Viserion was the dragon that died. On I, either my first or second watch, I always use closed captioning, uh-huh. and it okay. says 
Viserion screaming. <laughs> I don't think it was clear that it was him, but I think yeah. you can assume that he is the worst of the three dragons because yeah, he is named, named for- after her dickhole brother. <laughs> right. So if any one of them is going to become the evil dragon, it's, it's going to be one. fucking that one. Yeah. So they killed the dragon named after her dick brother. <laughs> hey, look at that. Yeah. So yeah, so um, so we see the dragon die, and we see it. You know. And then only Sink John the- has the the presence of mind to go, holy crap, there's another javelin. <laughs> get, get the get, hell out of here. Get out of yeah. here. <laughs> you know, and so we see, um, uh, hold on, let's see. Yeah, so they, they don't tell you which dragon dies. Um, so Danny flies away and we leave John behind because he's, you know, being a hero, doing stupid things. Well, he's already fallen into the water. He's gone for. No, he tell. well, no, he tells them to leave. Right, but before he, she actually takes off. Yeah, she's waiting and as long as she can to see if he can get on there. Yeah. and then the two uh, whites drag him into the water. Yeah, and it's like, okay, I guess he's screwed. Yeah, we gotta so go. we're like, oh great, so Jon Snow's dead again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so we see them flying away, and so we see Drogon swerve the javelin, and then we see Jorah almost die. So again, this is just an episode of everyone almost dying, mm-hmm. except for Tormund. Sorry, guy. R.I.P. <laughs> um, I'm not uh, Thoros. Thoros. Sorry, not Tormund, except for Thoros. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so we see them fly away, and so we have this intense moment where we're like, okay, great, well, Jon Snow's dead, so obviously he's not the prince that was promised, and then all of a sudden, it's like magically like, no, I'm just kidding, he crawls out of the JK. water. So we see Jon crawl out of the well, frozen lake. I mean, if, if Jamie can survive the lake with full right? armor on, <laughs> surely. Sinking into the trench. Um, <laughs> but hypothermia is real. Yeah, yeah. Seriously. Um, so, you know, all I could think about was the episode of, um, what is it? What's the show with Bear Grylls? What's his show called? Oh, uh, Survivor Survivor Man. Yeah. No, that's a different guy. Or like Man versus Wild. Yeah. Whatever. Man versus Wild or whatever, where he, like, he actually shows you how to survive if you fall into frozen water and you're supposed to get naked and roll around in the snow, which Jon Snow didn't do, which I'm very disappointed with you, HBO. Um, that was a <laughs> because opportunity lost. It was an opportunity lost to teach people about the safety of hypothermia. And Everyone get your minds dick. out of the gutter. <laughs> so not even going where my mind's going. Nope. So we there. see. So we see. I was in the pool. <laughs> so we see him get out of the frozen lake. And again, it looks like uh, all hope is lost because it's just Jon Snow who is obviously very badly damaged. I think we broke her. Mm-hmm. I think I broke her. <laughs> just to make drink very cold. <laughs> Jon Snow. Oh, and all the little jokes are going to get right, less funny now. There's been a lot of jokes about him being little, and, and shrinkage is a thing. And I'm just saying, it, it'd be an any oh at this point. It would be an any. So you're not missing anything. So anyway, so, um, you know, we see, we see John getting swarmed by the whites and we think, well, how the hell is he going to get out of this? Like, is the dragon going to come back and get him? Is he going to get picked up? No, no. Deus ex <laughs> uncle Benjamin. <laughs> his aunt isn't going to save him, but his uncle is going to save him. So we see Benjamin show up and we haven't seen him since what? Two seasons ago. When he saved Bran, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's been, it's been a long time. He's just well, looking for Ned's kids up north. And I, and I really feel, you know, at this point, and especially with this episode, so we see him die. I mean, we see him die, but, but again, we've seen him die. We've before. seen people die before and they haven't really died. Um, so we see, you know, him kind of save John and then he stays behind and we see him kind of get overtaken by the whites. But like, is that it? Like, is Benjamin dead? And did he only exist in the series just for this one moment? Like to, to like help the, help the Stark children yeah. along. Yeah. 
Plot device. I just, I just thought that he was going to be cooler than that. And he's like a throwaway <laughs> plot device. And also, and, and, and now I did a lot of research on the internet and I, you know, I can't remember anything uh-huh. from the books or from the series. Nobody has ever really explained why he's undead, not dead. Right. Not undead. Maybe that'll come t- into play, you know, because that's like actually seems like it's an important difference. Between like, why the is he, why him. is he only half turned? You know right. what I mean? Like, I feel like we really needed to I explain think, that. I think what it's going to come down to is it's because he's a Stark. Yeah, Starks are magic. Well, the Starks the, in the, the Night King. Is- there are a lot of theories that the, the Night King is a Stark. We'll get to theories, but right. But these are theories that are have been out for a long time. Right. So that's not theories we're introducing. So maybe not, not necessarily Stark, but more so that they they have the blood of the first men. Exactly. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So oh. anyway, we'll see. So Benjamin may be dead, but he mm-hmm. saves John. So thanks, Benjamin. Um, so then we see, you know, we're back at the wall and um, we see one of the dragons flying around being real sad, which mm-hmm. I'm, at this point I'm still crying. Right. Um, it's horrible. And the, hand, the hound is there with the, the white that's yeah. into the boat and tells now, everybody to fuck off. So now did you, did you take this as like um, Beric and Tormund are leaving and the hound is going with them to King's Landing? No, I took that as Beric still feels like he he is on his mission up in the north, okay. taking on the Whites. Okay, I think uh, Tormund is definitely staying. He's well, he, yeah. he's the Lord Commander of of uh, Eastwatch at this point. Yeah, and uh, I think the Hound is going to go with John and Daenerys back to okay. Dragonstone. I okay. mean, we got to have Clegane Bowl. Exactly, Clegane Bowl. Because <laughs> I think I, I think they're going to stop in, in Dragonstone and head right down to King's Landing. Yeah, yeah. So you know, so we see Danny kind of nice standing. little day cruise. You know, <laughs> just a little, you know, little afternoon on the boat um, mm-hmm. <laughs> out in the harbor. Um, a trip around Manhattan is basically what it ex- all, yeah, essentially, all it is. Essentially. Uh, we have a theory that Westeros is New Jersey. So okay. in size. Um, so yeah. So Danny's standing on the wall and, you know, she's like staring off a bit longer and she's very sad and she's kind of dealing with her loss. Her losses, because in yeah. her mind at this point, she's lost one of her children and she's lost the, you know, potential. That lover. guy she'd been talking to. That dude she'd been chatting with. Mm-hmm. Um, Even though he's I was short. Just and I'm like, you know. <laughs> I was just Damn. getting over the fact that he's only five foot seven with his heels on. <laughs> <laughs> I like big men. Every time I like a guy, they go and get themselves killed. These are Westeros problems. <laughs> Hashtag Westeros problems. Um, you know, and so then we, you know, very dramatically, we see uh, John riding up out through the trees. At, at just you know, these people have impeccable timing. They do. Mm-hmm. You know, like I want to, I want to write, um, you know, how it should have ended, where like the dragons show up and they're already dead, and then um, Danny flies away, and then John's like, "Hello, <laughs> anybody?" <laughs> but. <laughs> So anyway, so we see we see John right up and Danny's like, oh, my God, he's here. He came. Um, so they take him onto the ship and they finally take his clothes off. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that he's not surrounded by all that frozen material that's giving him hypothermia. And um, here we kind of see, you know, Danny finally sees the scar over his heart. And so the scars, all the scars. scars. Yeah, he took a he took a knife in the heart and Jesus. his sternum and his spleen and his solar plex and his side. Some Julius Caesar shit people. right there. For the watch. <laughs> for the watch. And she's like, you lied to me. Yeah, right? Like, liar. 
Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, no, like, she's not mad about omission it. by betrayal. I don't yeah. know. So, but you know, but I think that's important. Like she finally sees, like, no, they were literally he literally took a knife in the heart. So that's weird. Um, and then we go back to Winterfell. But, yeah, and that's the, I think that's where it turns. She was like, Ooh, I like a scar. Yeah, right. Like oh, chicks dig scars. <laughs> But uh, I like an undead man. Mm -mm -mm. So, you know, in lieu of creepy time with Bran, I think this episode we got creepy time with Arya. Mm. So we see Sansa snooping around Arya's room. Creeping. Creeping. Uh, Straight creeping. She's the one being creepy first. And she's looking for, um, I'm assuming she's looking for more scrolls. Uh, you know more evidence more things that Arya might have to hold against her and um instead she finds some faces oops face in a bag obviously not trained by the faces man (laughs) clearly (laughs) she doesn't know how to hide her faces yeah amateur sleuthing it up (laughs) (laughs) oops i just dumped this entire bag of faces all over the floor (laughs) don't you hate when that happens um you know and then we see Arya just kind of like creepily like silently appear out of nowhere like not what you're looking for Mm-hmm. You know, and so uh, this seems really frustrating because like Arya has to know that Sansa is like, what the hell? Why do you have disembodied faces in this bag? <laughs> and Arya's like, let's play a game. And Arya's and Sansa's like, no, I don't want to play a fucking <laughs> no, no, game. No, no, no game. Tell no me game. how you got these faces because this is disgusting. Oh, and the game is called Game of Faces? No, 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 no. <laughs> you know, and so this scene to me... um, you know, Arya and Sansa have this back and forth, and she's like, "Oh, I learned, I got my faces when I was training to be a faceless man, and I can be anyone I want, and this and that, and blah blah blah." And let's play a game, and if you lie, you know, I'm gonna kill you, or what if you get caught in a lie? Basically, I'm gonna cut your face off. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, she she kept it vague, she, which yeah. was even more creepy. She yeah. was like, "You, I win or you lose." Yeah, like, and the it, implication being, and again, if they would just have a straightforward conversation, if Sansa just said, "Where did you get these faces?" and Arya said, "Oh, don't worry about it. I just cut them off the people that I already killed." We can move on from there. <laughs> and instead, Arya wants to be, you know, like all cryptic and stuff. So she could be like, that's the one that I used, like, you know, to kill the guys with the, the red wedding and everything. It's right. Cool. Like she could, they could be celebrating the fact that Arya avenged their mother and their brother's death. But no, we're just going to you know, be creepy about it. Yeah. Um, and I yeah. learned to make pie. Aren't you <laughs> proud of me for making pie? Frank, that's I did, old Walder's face. I did a thing. I, I didn't that was brown like the butter, lady. but still. <laughs> I graduated from the bad bitch Academy. <laughs> You know, so you know, Arya it, you know, goes off on this whole on this whole rant about how she could be whoever she wants, and she could even be Sansa if she wanted. She could dress up in her pretty dresses, and all I would need is your face. And then she's coming at her with a dagger, and then she flips it around and she hands it to her, and she walks out of the room. And I left this scene going, "Did what, Arya? What? Did Arya just tell her sister to cut her own face off? <laughs> like, what is that about? Or is she kind of like alluding to the fact that she wants?" Sansa to cut Littlefinger's face off, or somebody's cutting somebody's face off. Someone's getting a face cut off. All all we know is that somebody's obviously getting the face. It cut felt off. more like a come at me, bro. Like, oh, yeah, you feeling froggy? Come which, on. but which is like so unnecessary because like she's provoking her sister well, for Sansa's no like, reason. Like Sansa's like, I'm not playing this game. Oh, <laughs> Sarah McMahon just said, anyone think that uh, Arya is really the waif with Arya's face? Nah, nah. nah. Nah, nah. I mean, if, I'm if, not buying if, it, but it'd be cool. It, nah. I mean, yeah, if it was, if it was the waif, then I don't think she would have the whole thing with the phrase. None of that would have. Yeah. yeah, that that was all very personal. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So that was weird. So we'll see what happens. With I that. need her to take Jamie's face. 
Okay, Seriously, that's the big theory. That's that's, that's, that's my big theory. Yeah, She's going to take Dan's his face theory. and kill Cersei. And that's how that's how Cersei dies is yeah. uh, still by the hand of her brother, of her little brother. But it's Arya killing Cersei, and yeah. so she's fulfilling that all are, of the prophecies. And that also fits the genderless Although thing. Yeah, Cersei. I'm, I, Cersei might actually take Jaime out beforehand. I think Cersei may. There's a good possibility that Cersei may. If take he Jamie. betrays her again, she will. Yeah. We'll get, okay, yeah. so we'll get to we'll get to theories. Okay. Yeah, we'll sorry. get to theories at the end. So okay, so then we go back to John and Danny on the boat. Um, John wakes up from his little snooze. Um, mm-hmm. Danny is sitting there. John gets all sappy and is like, "I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that this happened." Which I think is just kind of like maybe I'm taking this in like too salty with too many grains of salt. But um, I feel like this whole scene with John just immediately like getting all sappy and apologizing. And I know he feels bad that her dragon died. Like I get it, but the whole him apologizing for acting so completely out of character and going on this crazy suicide mission just by saying like, oops, sorry, wish we never went. I don't think that was ever out of character for him to do this. <sighs> I think it's it none was. of this was out of character. So nah, and, like, this is the guy who died. brought the wildlings bl- uh, south of the wall and like, you could not see what's bold the- crazy shit is what he does yeah i, I mean just, it's everything is in character looking at him crazy and cra- what was the little kid's name uh the kid that that took him took john out ollie, ollie. Yeah. oh yeah ollie. Like, he couldn't see ollie side-eyeing him the whole time john just makes grand gestures like that yeah That's- and i think his whole i'm sorry is because like she made it pretty clear like in the some episode before this one that the dragons are her children. Yeah. Like she will, yeah. she doesn't think that she will ever have children like that are human. Yeah. So it's like, those are my children. So to him, she came up there to rescue him and lost one of her children yeah. in the process. And it was in this kind of fool's errand that he thought was so necessary. Right. So I can see why he would be like apologetic and like, <laughs> sorry, I got your kid killed. Yeah. Like, please forgive me. Ooh. But you know, I think, and we see this and she reiterates it in this scene where she says, you know, the dragons are my children. They're the only children that I will ever have. Do you understand what that means? And he's like, yes, ma'am. And she's like, that being said, we're going for the night King, yeah. you know? And so it's like, now it's personal. Like, whereas on one hand, she's finally seen it with her own eyes. Mm-hmm. So she knows what the threat is now. And then secondly, like he killed one of her kids, mm-hmm. you know? So now she's got to, now she's got to go take him out for personal reasons, as well as like protecting the realm and all that stuff. So and then um, he calls her Danny. He calls her Danny, <laughs> which is super weird because the only other, other person to ever call her Danny was her creepy, rapey brother. Yeah. Uh, so, and she kind of calls him out on it. She's like, not that, you know, not the company that you want to keep. And he's like, okay, not, not Danny. Didn't, uh, uh, Sir Friend Zone call her Danny back in the day before she became Khaleesi? I don't think he ever called her Danny. I think he just I think always everybody called her. called her Danny before she was Khaleesi. Yeah? I don't know. Mm, yeah. Don't know. But she, he was the only one that kept calling her Danny after yeah. she was a Khaleesi. Yeah. I think he would have... Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't remember. So, regardless, so we make this joke about how he probably shouldn't call her Danny, but he's getting... You know, we see him getting very personal with her, and then he, you know, has this big dramatic moment of, like, my queen, and I would bend the knee, but I can't move right now. And, you know, she gets all like, oh, my mm-hmm. God, do you really mean it? So like, yeah. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> you got dragons. I'm a queen. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Yay. Um, what do you want me to do? <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's like all this kind of like weird sexual tension, romantic tension. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Like they're holding hands and respect. And blah, blah, blah. And yeah. And mutual respect mm. and whatever. Yeah. There's so. a lot. There's a lot there. 
Um, so yeah, so then uh, we cut back to the north. We're back in the north again, one Holy more time. Holy big chains, people. Uh, so yeah, so the Army of the Dead runs on over to their uh, friendly northern neighborhood hardware store <laughs> and grabs a whole mess of ridiculously large chains. All right, so... Here's <laughs> yeah, where did they get those? Yeah. <laughs> I guess they're trying to show that the Night's King is more resourceful than we might have thought. Um, that he's more of a planner than we might have thought. He's actually running a kingdom. <laughs> and perhaps this whole thing was a big trap to get himself a dragon. Yeah. I am actually waiting for us to discover that the White Walkers are actually the people who we should be rooting for. Right. Like, Wait, the humans are actually... <laughs> the, the night, the, yeah, they, they're like the Native Americans. Oh, no! Back their land. <laughs> Oh no! This whole this whole thing is just standing rock. Oh, this is terrible. Water is life, right? They're like, "Hey, uh, please don't take our snow away," and we're like, "Nah." I'm just saying. Oh, that's awful. It's a theory. Okay. Um, that's, so they 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 pull Viserion so yeah, so out. So they pull Viserion out of the water, and I literally have in my in my notes here just fucking ice dragon yes i called the ice dragon Ugh, i was weeks ago i'm so upset i'm so upset that your theory was right i knew it i just want to see what it's gonna breathe now <laughs> i like this uh comment from andrew it's why it's taken so long for them to walk across the north all these seasons those, those, chains, those chains are heavy it is true they're <laughs> very true. slow moving like yeah. they were at hard home a long ass time ago seriously <laughs> Well, and that's the other thing. It, it maybe, it, like I said, if the Night's King is more strategic than we've always thought, then maybe they just haven't been walking just from Hardhome to Eastwatch. Maybe they've been walking all over the north, gathering troops, gathering arms, putting together resources, because they are looking for a war. Yeah. Like I said, everybody's looking for revenge. So awesome 16. So that's where the episode ends. So uh, let's real quick jump over to some You Know Nothing, Kelsey Rose. Yes. Um, Oh, goodness. So if you don't know, so we have a segment that started because, so you know Kelsey. Mm -hmm. um, So she's a former league member. And so she is just now watching Game of Thrones. And she started probably when we were on episode three of this season she started watching season one and yeah. so she was texting like live texting me during the show and so we turned it into a segment where i just read her text out loud on the podcast because it's really funny because she she has no idea what's coming so she just watched the season five finale um and so the string of text messages and now mind you she watches these very late at night when i'm sleeping so i wake up to a string of text messages about her watching game of thrones so this is what i woke up to uh yesterday morning all capital letters yo status can go suck an egg with that daughter killing bullshit (laughs) um also serious question question how is that ginger bitch everywhere referring to melisandre um (laughs) but dude daenerys just made me cry again her dragon saved her from a massacre um last episode season five cersei has the first and possibly only vagina shot of the whole show and then in all capital letters we get wait 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 and i don't think i can pronounce this because she's just mashing her fingers on the keyboard um what the Jon snow just died uh, and then lots of crying faces, emojis. Um, what did I just watch? Holy shit. You're an evil woman for allowing me to watch this, this devil worship show. 
Um, <laughs> so where it stands now is that if she just moves one episode into season six, She'll all of this will be resolved for her and she won't have to wait an entire break between seasons like we did. Um, she's so distraught that she's refusing to start season six right now. <laughs> oh my God. So it's really funny to me because she's causing herself this own misery. It's amazing to me that she hasn't just through social media and, and mm-hmm. just like extra on TV so what's or, or stuff figured out that John comes back. So what's really upsetting is, um, somebody posted somebody that she's friends with on Facebook posted the night of the episode or the day after the episode, white Walker dragon. Oh yeah. And that's just, that's just like poor form. Everyone like don't post spoilers like that on social media. You're all better than that. My wife is waging war right now against spoilers. Oh my God. It's so so upsetting to get unfollowed. Yeah. Right. Well, I can think of another way. So let's, uh, (laughs) let's jump into some theories because I've got one that might be, just as mind blowing as Arya stealing Jamie's face. All right, so and real quick, I want to cover. I want to cover a couple things that we've talked about that we now know are are eliminated. Okay, so we're going to do some MythBusters on yeah. some of our theories. Because I had the theory that uh, it was an original theory, but it was one that I latched onto and I liked that the whole reason that we've had Thoros and Dondarrion and the Hound together this year was that the Hound was going to die. Dond uh, Dondarrion or not Dondarrion, uh, Thoros would use his power. And it would drain him, he would die, and all of his, his regenerative abilities from the Lord of Light would go into um, the Hound, and he would basically be the Lady Stoneheart of the series. But Thoris is dead, so... And the Hound is not, and we're not, we're not going to get an epic zombie battle. clearly not going to happen. I think Hound's <laughs> our Lady Stoneheart. Uh, yeah. There's all the three Dragon Rider theories are pretty much out, I guess. Well... Unless Bran is going to warg Viserion. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I'd turn him good, uh, basically. Uh, I've got some theories. Well, I mean, I think they had to get rid of a dragon so that they could only have two dragon riders. No, we've got three. Um, so I just have two real quick shots, and I'll let you do your big one. Okay. Um, I think John's identity is coming out soon. I think that's. What you think these, it's going to happen in this I, season I finale? Think, I think that's the three part, the third part to our three beat of John so short. Okay. Like his father, I think that's what's going to come out. You think Rhaegar's short? I think Rhaegar was short. Hmm. Um, and You're stupid like your father. Or they're going to make Rhaegar have been short. You're show short like your father. Explain him. Um, and um, okay, so there's this whole thing about every people fall. They've been really leaning into this whole thing. People choose to follow Danny. Yeah. And Danny's going to break the wheel. Mm-hmm. Danny's going to bring democracy to Westeros. We're going to vote. <laughs> We're oh, how'd you have, become king? We're going to have some form of democracy. And oh, I didn't you mean like you? how they essentially voted in John as king in the north? Yes. And, Strange women, lion and pawns, distributing swords. Uh, Tyrion even says, you know, the Night's Watch has <laughs> a you. way of, of picking people. <laughs> and and they, they, he talks about all these different methods of choosing a successor. I think hey, we're, we're getting democracy. Shut up, Nick. Ugh. Rude in my okay. We're going in my theory because don't look at the comments right now because I'm I, like I, you don't get to blow their minds. I get to blow their minds. Okay. So <sighs> he already wrote it. Bran's the Night King. Everyone, how's that? Bran is the Night King. So you Ex- know how we show have, your math. So you know how we have all of this like nimbly pimbly wibbly wobbly timey wimey crap going on with Bran, right? Sure. So um, we see what happened when he went back in time and. 
you know, people can kind of hear him. He's kind of there, but not there. We see Bran go back in time and get touched by the Night King. So we obviously know that they have some kind of connection. We see Bran. Or Brad, sorry, not Nick. <laughs> we see, <laughs> um, we see Bran go back in time and mess with Hodor and have right. a long-lasting effect on Hodor. Okay. We have the theory that um, Bran went back in time and whispered in Aegon's ear uh, to burn them all, which is why Aegon it was crazy and saying burn them all. You know, that's we haven't that hasn't been proven in the show yet, but that is a theory that he went back and tried to tell Aegon to burn. The, is that in the books or is this just a theory in the books? We know that at the end, um, I believe it was w- like right before Jamie kills him. He just kept saying, burn them all, burn them all, burn them all. Right. And, and they talk about it in the books. Um, but this is just a theory that is out there. So that's just a theory because of hold the door, hold the door. Hold door, hold door exactly. Door. So this is a theory that's out there that Bran went back in time and, and was telling, was trying to tell Aegon to burn them all or was talking about the whites saying burn them all. And that made Aegon crazy, crazier than mm. he already was. And that's why, you know, we get that whole burn them all repetition from him. Um, we do see that we, we might've seen a little hint uh, dropped in a previous episode where we see Bran walking through the North um, and his outfit in that scene is almost identical to the Night King's outfit. Um, the same leather vest, the same kind of like skirt over the pants type deal. Um, yeah, so, so the theory, that's what Arya wears too. so the theory here is that Bran in this crazy convoluted timeline structure, uh-huh. um, went back in time and is actually the one that was stabbed in the heart by the children of the forest and is the Night King. Not buying it. Yeah, nah. Also, the, the, I know it was mentioned up in the fan comments and like the possibility of him riding a dragon as the Night King. You gotta be a Targaryen. You can't fucking ride a dragon if you don't got dragon blood. But I think that the Night King is going to warg into the dragon. The Night King doesn't as, need I mean, to. He controls right, the whites. Right. This he is, controls this is, the dragon. He does, they don't need a rider for that one. This is true. This is I'm true. not on board with this theory. I mean, he I could still... I mean, maybe if, like, the Night King was a Targaryen, but that wouldn't make him a first man. So, like, yeah. I just don't see it being a third dragon rider. I mean, I, c- I could definitely see the the Aegon thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds plausible. Yeah, yeah, that sounds plausible, for um, sure. Bran... No, I think there's a connection between him and the Night King because they are related. I okay. Think, I think the Night King is is, is a Stark. Stark. Absolutely. And I think that connection of them being actually related is why he's able to kind of connect with him. Yeah. In that way. I think that to me makes more sense than him actually being the Night King. Yeah. I think at this point, Bran, Bran kind of sees everything and he's still not able to put everything together. It's it's all it's all stream of consciousness at this point. Yeah. Well I think he's got some kind of a prime directive. Like does not like, compute. Does like, not compute. No, computes. He completely understands everything that's going on, but with great power comes great responsibility and I cannot inf- interfere with the with the dealings of man, well, I do, am the well, three eyed raven. Well do we I'm think above that, that do we think that before he fully became the three eyed raven he saw how his actions kind of screwed with history and so maybe Oh he, yeah. Maybe he sees mm-hmm. that. Maybe he knows that, which uh-huh. is why he's not interfering anymore because he knows that. I mean, he 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 killed Hodor. He killed Hodor. Not only did he kill Hodor, but he messed Hodor up. Now okay. for his entire life. Let's go back to that scene just for a second because Ned heard him. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Now that's happening in our timeline. Yes. Okay. Is that going to have any effect on our, on our finale and the, the future going forward? Hmm. Where there's going to be some timey-wimey shit. It's got to catch up now. And it's going to send ripples through the timeline? I don't think it sends ripples through the timeline. I think what he did were things that happened in the time in the past, but it doesn't, like, it's still in the continuous timeline mm-hmm. for us today because it's like Hodor was messed up in the entire timeline. Right. What, so it was like stuff that already happened. True. It just he didn't know that it had happened. What gotcha. Bran does in this life. All right. So any other theories? Echoes in eternity. <laughs> theories? Um, my other theory is just kind of that, um, Arya is playing along with Littlefinger's game, um, Mm -hmm. to make him think that she is against Sansa. Hmm. I don't know if that's, I I don't know if that's a theory as much as it's a hope because I don't want Arya to be as stupid as I think that she's being right now. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on board with that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, At this point, um, I'm, I'm. Even though I want the whole Arya as Jamie to kill Cersei, I'm calling Cersei killing Jamie. You think so? Mm-hmm. There is also another theory um, that was sent to me by Sarah, who we had on the show last week, that um, says that um, the prophecy says that Cersei would have three children, gold would be their hair, gold would be their shrouds, and that she would be killed by her little brother. And this one is a little out there, but if she really truly is pregnant and the baby is a boy, that's technically her little brother, and then she dies in childbirth. And technically, her little brother kills her. It's it's not her little brother. It would be born. her. It would be her son slash nephew. Yeah, not not her brother. Because oh. it would have to be her dad. Right. For to be it to brother, it would yeah. have to be her yeah. dad's kid. Yeah, I don't think that genealogy is hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Incest yeah. is hard. Incest is hard. Incest <laughs> makes things complicated. <laughs> okay, so okay, so that was out the window. <laughs> real quick, before we get who's going to die next, the big complaint on this episode is the timeline. Yeah. Right. How how did all this happen so quickly? So you've got your thing, and I've got my thing for this. So Yeah, so uh, somebody on Reddit decided to do uh, the work for us. Um, let's see. I'm not sure even how to find the Reddit user's name. But, okay, so um, the first part being uh, Gendry running back to the Eastwatch wall. Um, he says here, I don't think that they traveled that far. Uh, there was no campfire, no nighttime. They stopped for discussions, et cetera, et cetera. Um, on the way back, he's running full speed as much as he can, only stopping to take breaths. Um, he could have done it probably within six hours. The real question is how far or how far and fast can a raven fly? Um, so he, what he used was um, a carrier pigeon because um, we, have, we have known times for that. So a carrier pigeon can travel up to 1,100 miles at an average speed of 50 miles per hour. Five zero? Yes. 50? Yes. Jesus. Um, so how far is it from Eastwatch to Dragonstone? It's never been clear, um, but what they've come up with here is 1,900 miles apart. Let's just round it off to 2,000 because ravens don't travel in a straight line. It means that it would uh, be about 40 hours Without sleeping or drinking, so let's call it a two-hour journey. Ravens don't travel in a straight line? That's the whole right. point is as fast as a crow flies, or as the crow flies. They fly oh. the, on the shortest path. Not necessarily because uh, winds and jet streams and stuff like that, they, they'll coast a lot on the jet streams and that sort of thing. It's a thing. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's see. Um, so... There's obviously no information on how fast a dragon can fly, but let's just say it's the same. 
So two uh, two days each way. So okay, first of all, okay, wait, wait, hold a on. A dragonfly is way faster than a raven. <laughs> way faster be, than a raven. But it's also heavier, and it's got to stop and eat. It, that thing has to consume a lot of food. To, to yeah, fly. we can talk about like calories and energy put out, and well, so let's a just dragon is moving like an airplane. Like, well, not not quite as fast as that. But yeah. yeah, but I'm I'm saying like comparatively speaking, I'm right. thinking a dragon so, is moving like much quicker. So we 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 make a lot we make well, a lot of jokes about you know we say that Westeros is the size of New Jersey and blah blah, blah and why does this all happen blah blah. blah. So my my done. my brother what? <laughs> I wasn't done. Well, okay, hold on, I'm gonna jump in and add to yours, and then you can finish yours. Because you talked about distance and, and how far the you know it is from Dragonstone. So my my brother sent me this little tidbit. Uh, it says, according to semi-canon sources, Westeros is similar in size to South America. Although no scale appears on the maps in the books themselves, George R. R. Martin has stated that the wall is 100 leagues long or 300 miles. Thus, the continent stretches for about 3,000 3, miles from north to south and for some 900 miles at its widest point east to west. So we kind of have an idea of how big Westeros right. is. And that's so. the scale, I believe, that they're using in this breakdown. Yeah. So um, you know, th- then your 1,900 miles makes sense. Uh, and so then uh, we go on to uh, assuming that the uh, north of the wall has an average temperature of negative 20 below or of 20 below uh, Fahrenheit. Uh, we mean that it would take about four days for the ice to thicken up to about 12 inches thick so that it could hold the army of the dead. So putting that all together, we're talking about four days and six hours pass from the time that they send him to go send the raven mm-hmm. until Danny shows up to save them. Mm-hmm. So that's how long they're on the little island there is like four days. And north of the wall, it could be like going to Alaska, where it's a really long time that you have dark and light. This is yeah. The this. the director of the episode actually said something similar to that. I mean, when he apologized, they were trying to be as as, yeah, as he, cryptic as they could. Yeah, he apologized for like the time discrepancies, yeah. but also said like, yeah, I mean, because it's like far north, like we were just you know hoping that uh, the sun, you know, it kind of went down maybe for a little bit, but not really. Yeah, right. <laughs> We're basically in Alaska. Yeah. So all right. The show. What do you want us to do? Yeah. All right. Let's <laughs> get into let's get into some who dies next. Yeah. Well, actually this is this is who dies in the finale. Yeah. Because this could be a big one. Mm-hmm. It's usually a big one. Mm-hmm. Cause last finale everyone died. So like literally, literally everyone. Who you got? Um the only one that I'm gonna solidly commit to is I think Sansa kills Littlefinger in the finale. Okay, I could buy that. Uh, anything else? I'm I'm done guessing. Yeah, I'm super done guessing for this season. Um, I don't think any Stark children are dying. No, I don't think any Lannisters are dying. Yeah, no, I don't think I, if Cersei's going to die, dying. I, don't I don't think, think we see that till dying. the final season. It's going to be somebody. It's going to be Littlefinger, or it's going to be uh, uh, the Hound, or it's going to be. Uh, Davos or somebody like that. Yeah. Oh, Davos, no. I hope not Davos. I love Davos. I hope he makes it to the end. He's my favorite. His face when he found out about the Baratheon girl, mm-hmm. like, just that killed me. I know. More than anything in the show ever. <sighs> uh, I'm I'm calling, I'm, I'm thinking possibly Jamie biting it. You think so? He's useless. He's <laughs> fucking useless. <laughs> He really is. (laughs) Like, I'm thinking maybe Jamie, or I could see them going ahead and doing the Clegane thing. Like, 
the mountain versus the hound. Yeah. I can yeah. see them going ahead and pushing that agenda forward. Yeah. Um, be I'm like hope- Superman versus Doomsday. They both die. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I think I saw something in the previews with the, with the, with Grey Worm. I'm hoping that he makes it home to Masambe so that they can get that sweet scissoring going. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's just sticking a finger up his butt. <laughs> All right, you got any? You got any? Who dies next theories? Um, who dies in the finale? Theories? You know, I don't really know. It's so tough to call. I mean, I don't think Littlefinger is going to die no. because I think he's going to keep climb, climbing the chaos ladder. Okay, um, for the next season. Um, I'm gonna say we got two whole hours I, next week, so I yeah. I don't know if they'll do it, but I kind of feel like they're gonna kill Gendry off just because. <laughs> just like, we're we're brought like him we brought him for an episode. Bye. Bye. He served his purpose. <laughs> so should we tell him what we're doing next week? Because we have a very special Amazon Thrones next week, right? Um, I mean, do we have a solid decision on what we're doing next week? <laughs> I think we do. Um, no, we don't because I can't tell them what we're doing next week. No? No. Okay. We never agreed on anything. Oh, okay. Never mind. Sorry that, you guys, are, sorry that you guys are all watching Mom and Dad fight at the dinner table right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but no, next week's going to be big. I mean, obviously, we're still going to do this. We're not going to abandon this for the last episode. Um, next week is the season finale, and um, we're all very sad that it's over, but we're all very happy at the same time because we all miss sleep on Tuesday nights, yes. so we get to go to bed now. Um, so, yeah, so that's it. Um, let us know. Drop some comments. Let us know who you think dies uh next week and give us your theories and let's keep the conversation going because i think this is awesome and yeah thanks so much for listening to us and thanks so much for letting us do this and it's it's the best and it's my favorite it's my favorite thing to nerd out about so uh until next week bye, bye.